Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Raw Dog. What is going on here? I'm not trying to be dirty. That's the title of my autobiography. I can't believe you made it. Comedy Hits. But here's a young lady who uh, I can think got her first national exposure on my show, who not only writes funny, she is funny herself. Would you welcome, please, Joan Rivers. Sirius XM remembers the legendary comedian, actor, and television host, Joan Rivers. She's passed away at the age of 81. You think you're any older? I don't feel any older. I feel great. Yeah, you know when I feel older? When you buy a bikini. Man. <gasps> or when the body is falling and you're wearing a bikini, you go waiting and the top gets wet first. You go, oh, <laughs> Joan Rivers was a pioneering female comic, known for her signature style and biting wit targeted at celebrities, and of course, herself. I mean, I'm not even attractive in Russia. She began her career playing Greenwich Village comedy clubs, like The Bitter End and The Gaslight Cafe in the early 1960s. In 1965, Joan had her first of many memorable appearances on The Tonight Show. Well, when I first got married, I never cooked when I was single, because I figured I, if the Lord wanted a woman to cook, he'd give her aluminum hands. <laughs> became one of Johnny Carson's favorite and most frequent guests, and even went on to guest host the show. Joan Rivers was the author of 12 best-selling memoir and humor books, and an actress of both stage and screen, but was perhaps most known for her roles on television. She won the Daytime Emmy Award for Outstanding Talk Show Host in 1989 for The Joan Rivers Show. Right here on The Joan Rivers Show, you are going to meet people who go out more recently, she was known for co-hosting the celebrity fashion show Fashion Police and starring in the reality series Joan and Melissa, Joan Knows Best, alongside her daughter, Melissa Rivers. He looks like a homeless man that walked in by mistake. <laughs> Joan Rivers was a true icon in entertainment, and we will always remember her comedy. Sirius XM Comedy remembers Joan Rivers. Happy to be here. Yeah. Well, no. Sons of bitches. This theater. And then I'll do the act. I, they are making me pay for a goddamn 11-piece orchestra. One, two, three. Everybody wave. Look at the rest of these assholes. How stupid do they think I am? Like I don't notice <laughs> your poor wife. It is <laughs> wait a second. Wait, whoa, whoa. <laughs> wait, guess okay, okay, okay. Riddle, guess who this is? An eleven year old boy at Neverland Ranch. Oh grow up. <laughs> Each one of those little shits got $35 million, not so terrible. Oh, $35 million? I only wish I had a son. It is... Come on, $35 million one night with Uncle Michael, one night. Better than for free with a priest. Anyhow, it is... Oh, is it going to be that kind of an audience? Anyhow... You can turn on a dime. Anyhow, 
I am thrilled, as I said, to be here. I just came back. I was, and this is all the truth, all the truth. I just came back from um, uh, Mexico. I was with my, with my little grandson in Mexico. And uh, the, uh, 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 the very nice people, but so fucking ugly. I have never... I, Excuse me, no, they're really gorgeous. I, I want to show a hand here. Which one of you ever looked at a picture of a Mexican in a magazine and ripped it out and brought it to a plastic surgeon and said, make me look like this? <laughs> it's like the Haitians, I went to dig them out. Why? It was like... Mexico and, the, and a woman died, drowned, drowned. How about that drowned? And they didn't know who she was. She was in the water eight days. And I said, well, we know one thing. She was Jewish because her hair isn't wet. And it's just... Anyhow. And, we, and, and I'll get away from Mexico. But we were down there swimming with dolphins. Do not ever fucking swim with dolphins. Oh. Oh, they're so intelligent. They shit. They, they shit. They don't use bathrooms. You ever see a dolphin go, excuse me, just a minute here. And you're swimming along, so you go, is that a brown eel? Is that a brown eel? And then we, which is true, we swam with sharks. It was so horrible, because he's athletic. We swam with sharks. $250 a swim with a fucking shark. So I went over to the fattest woman I could find. And I said, I hope you have your period. And it's just... So awful. So anyhow, so I was in Mexico with him. And then this is my first real show. I came back through San Francisco and I had two shows there. I have a really terrific agent. First show, I played to all blind people, which, oh no, very hard. My mother was blind. I was sick of blind people. I'll tell you, if you're blind in this audience, just tap out. I have, oh, I'm so sorry. Blind people are so fucking selfish. It's all about them. When was the last time a blind person gave you a compliment? Think about it. You look great. You lost weight. Never happens. That, they're always talking about themselves. Is the train coming at me? They're always talking about themselves. Is the train coming at me? And they always have the good apartments with views. Why? I'm facing a goddamn fucking brick wall and you can see the park? One and only, uh, Joan Rivers, who we just got word uh, from uh, the news that she passed away just a little time ago, I guess, um, as they took her off the life support system. Uh, she wasn't able to fight her way back. Uh, always, you know, very, very tough because Joan, um, to me, was such a brave, strong stand-up and was a person who has done this show um, three times, twice as a guest on the show. 
and once as an hour-long unmasked, which we did just back in July, uh, but would never let you kind of compliment her career because um, she did not want to be thought of as somebody uh, from the past. Um, Joan Rivers... um, Passed away at the age of 81 years old. So we're going to get something together here to talk about Joan and play her uh, stand-up comedy and honor her in a, in a way that she never really allowed us to do while she was alive because she didn't like the tributes. She would not let me call her a legend or an icon. Uh, didn't like the thought of that for, um, you know... Didn't like to look backwards. Not a lot of time for the rearview mirror. And um, I honestly thought the last time, and it was just July 1st that we had her in here, that we were going to have her for at least another 20 years. She just seemed so strong and so looking forward to things. Um, But we did lose Joan Rivers today at 81 years old. And I have to tell you, even with... You know, everything that was happening, and, you know, we heard about the coma. But I just was doing this show with Larry Miller, who told me he was in a coma for 10 days. And, you know, came out of it. Um, I kind of felt the same was going to happen with Joan. Uh, So we'll play some of the stand-up of Joan Rivers and hang out for a little while. And uh, if we have time, we'll play the Unmasked and we'll... Uh, play the interviews with Joan and um, some other stuff that we're going to put together for you as uh, we honor the life of one of America's great comedians, the one and only Joan Rivers. So anyhow, so I just want to say, you're the first real audience I've played you, so bear with me. And I'm thrilled, and also I've been so busy. Thank God, Joan and Melissa renewed. Thank God for that. Nobody would want me. You know when I saw the change? I hit on Celebrity Apprentice and I won. And from then on... And from then on, I thought I would have an easy... I brought so many ideas to the networks and no, we didn't need that. And good ideas. I pitched them. Winona Ryder, The Price is Right. I thought that would be great. I had Snooky in a fishing show called The Deadliest Snatch. I thought that was... And then I had this great idea. And they wouldn't buy it. They would not buy it. And then I had this great idea. I thought we'd take like an island and we'd put people on it. And we'd have like the Kardashians. And we all three, we would have Kim, Courtney, and Lurch, the big one. And it's like... She's big. She grows an inch every time she fucks a black man. It just does not. So I thought... I thought... I thought I would put the... 
Kardashians on the island, and I would put the Olsen twins, and I, and I would put Justin Bieber and Katy Perry, and they'd all have to like fight to the death till only one was left. And I was gonna call it Who Gives a Fuck. And it was, So first I do the blind people, and then the second show, and you can't make this up, it was for deaf people. And why do deaf people come to see a comedian? This is what they saw. And they had two church ladies for the, for the signers. They went into shop. <laughs> you want to see the sign for orgasm? This honest to God truth. This is orgasm. And this is faking orgasm. those two bitches, what's the sign for cunt? And they both pointed at me. Because men like women with periods, every woman here, if you go through menopause, don't talk about it. Men, to this day, to this day, I swear to you, I carry a tampon in my purse. If I, if, no, no, no. If I'm at a party and nobody's paying attention, I just like, open it up and drop it. Oh! I could just die. I'm having such cramps. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And, and if they still don't know, they just take it out of my purse and swing it around. <laughs> and if they still don't notice, I stick it in ketchup and then I swing it around. So anyhow. <laughs> that is uh, the one and only Joan Rivers. Um, it's amazing, as I sit here, I'm looking up at the uh, TV screens, and it's just one after another with news about Joan. And the last time that she was in this studio, uh, out doing some stuff to promote the show that she had with uh, Melissa, and was... You know, all fair, tell me a little bit about just trying to slug it out and get publicity for things. And um, you can see now how much uh, people are ready to talk about her. It's one of those things that's funny about life that we kind of sometimes wait to appreciate someone after they're gone. But I have to say, one of the real blessings about being here was getting to know Joan Rivers and being able to tell some of those um, stories to her. I don't know whether we can take phone calls today, can we? We should be able Chris? to take phone calls. All yeah. right, so if you'd want to uh, check in with us, it's 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. We're going to uh, talk about Joan Rivers um, today, who passed away today at the age of 81. Um, I know I had been looking over at what they did for Don Rickles um, not too long ago, and they brought Don Rickles out, and he had, you know, 
he had kind of sat there and every great name in, in show business and comedy had come out to uh, honor him. And I was thinking, you know, Joan deserves... Uh, Joan deserves a night like this. But I don't think it's anything that she would have been comfortable with. Um, because she was always looking forward, looking towards the next uh, project. Uh, we're going to play some of the stand-up of Joan Rivers today, as well as... Chris, you're writing me something here? Yes, uh, on line 12. Oh, that's so nice. Um... It is our friend Susie Esman. Susie, how are you, darling? I'm crying. Yeah. You know, especially something like this, it's just like it didn't have to happen. We we don't really know what happened. Yeah. We don't really know what happened. But when when somebody like Joan dies, it, 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 she's not replaceable. No, you I know, agree Robin with you 100%. She's not replaceable. These people are not replaceable. And there's less laughter in the world. It's a horrible thing. You know, I wanted to ask you as well, Susie, being um, when you were younger and seeing Joan Rivers, there weren't a lot of examples of female comedians in those days. No. No, you know, it's interesting because I, I, I just got to Vegas. I'm in Vegas. I'm at the Venetian Saturday night. It's like, I'm just thinking, without Joan, I'm never here. I'm not headlining in Vegas <laughs> with my mouth. Right. I mean, Joan, Joan was really the first to talk about what she was talking about. Before Joan, every female comedian was either sketch, like Lucy, Carol Burnett, uh, you know, brilliantly funny, and Mira, um, whoever, or, or stand-up in the vein of Phyllis, who was also hilariously funny, but not, not as aggressive as Joan. Mm. Joan was the first woman to be that aggressive and to get away with it. And, it, you know, stand-up is a very aggressive art form. It's different than being a funny sketch comedian or a funny, uh, you know, sitcom comedian. And she was the first that really that really took that kind of, talked about sex, was dirty, was, you know, well, well there's bell bars and people like that that were bawdy. But Joan took it to another level and became, you know, an icon. I mean, so this woman was so resilient and was shot down over and over and over again and just kept on reinventing herself. And she could have been around another 15 years, you know? It certainly felt that way to me. It felt, see, this is the thing that I will I will always remember about Joan is the first time I met her and I had her on the show and I was interviewing her and we got to talking about jokes and here she is with 50 years plus yeah. of you know show business experience and she reaches into her purse and pulls out these napkins and little pieces of paper from today that day that she had been jotting jokes yeah. down she was a worker she yeah. was a really hard worker you know the last time i saw her or time before last last time before i saw her uh, i was doing a voiceover for an animated thing with her and it was being done in a studio in new york and she had taken she had done joan and melissa the the reality show like 16 hours the day before in la she took the red eye into New York, recorded with me, and then drove two hours to do two hours live of QVC in Pennsylvania, then was taking the red eye back to L.A. Mm. This is at 80 years old. Nobody, this was what, yeah. This was the schedule all the time. Yeah. She was driven, driven. Um, and like you said, irreplaceable. 
you know? It, it, completely irreplaceable. There is no other Joan. You know, I can't replace her. I, I, nobody that I know could replace her. She's, it, it's a huge loss to me personally and to our whole community and to the world. To the millions of people she made laugh. I, you know, Joan jo was, was, jo was interesting because she was so smart and so funny, and she made a lot of bad choices. Well, what kind of bad choices do you feel like she made? Uh, she would, she, because she was so bold, mm -hmm. um, she, would, she would sometimes not trust, I felt, trust how brilliantly funny she was, and she'd go low, you know, making fun of somebody's fat or whatever. Right. Remember when she did that whole run on Elizabeth Taylor? years ago and um and i think some of that hurt her and then she bounced back and figure out a way to get people love her, loving her again you know she she dealt with a lot of a lot of adversity and a lot of naysayers over the years sure. a lot i also think the thing about joan is that she would not take conditional love i also thought that that's why she kept moving the shock line over you know because she she did have to find out how far is uh yeah, you know, she too pushed far. it. Yeah. She pushed it. She would go too far. And then she was she was unapologetic frequently for how far she went. You know, and that's fine. She's a comedian. You, you know how I feel about political correctness and sure. comedy. It's you know, it's a killer. But uh she was a very bold comedian. She was not a safe comedian at all. And to be her age and to be that bold is just not that you you actually get more bold as you get older, but right. the example that she set to be this fearless woman and not really uh, not really pandering ever to her audience. She never pandered. It was, you know, like I, I've said this before, I always thought she was, you know, as edgy as Jim Norton today. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if they both went out she, and she, did... She was. Yeah. If they both went out and did sets tonight, you would be able to say, yeah, they're, you know, going into the same kind of area. Um, so, so funny. So, so strong. Such a strong comic. Amazing. I mean, deeply, deeply, deeply funny. So it's just, you know, the thing about death is it's so final, and I kind of expected this to happen, and then when I heard, I just burst into tears. Yeah. It's just, where's Joan? There's no more Joan. There's a big hole in the universe. Mm. Yeah, it's hard to even believe. Um, because she's been there our, our whole lives. Our whole lives. Yeah. I remember watching her when I was a kid on Ed Sullivan. I remember seeing her, and it's all that, and it never connected to me at that point that I was going to be doing what she did, because uh, it wasn't a dream that I had. But I mean, I don't know if I could have gotten been as bold as I was if not for Joan. I mean, Joan really was a groundbreaker, and just some, and, and also very generous, by the way, mm -hmm. very supportive and generous, and and but she had a real sweetness to her. And a jet, she had a she had a payroll. I mean, she kept so many people on her payroll. She supported so many people. Just, just she was a giver. She was a real giver. Susie, it's so nice to talk to you. But it's um, obviously a sad day. But yeah. at the same time, it's very, very important to honor. I think the work of Joan Rivers because uh, at any point of her career. Whether you know she was at the lowest or the highest, people just had no idea how much talent it took to do the stuff that she was doing. I, I agree with that, Ron. Yeah. I agree with that. She
she made it look easier than it was. All right, Susie, thank you so much. All right, Ron, talk I'll to you I'll talk soon. to you later, darling. Bye. Um, if you're just tuning in, uh, Joan Rivers has passed away today. It was one that we were really, I guess we should have been prepared for, uh, but we wouldn't even, uh, you know, allow ourselves to be prepared for that. Our staff was, you know, when we got the news, our staff went immediately on our heels and we all went, well, we should have been prepared for this. You know, do you know what we want to do here? Um, but we did not. We did not allow ourselves to to um, think about it. Um, and, you know, it was weird. Today on the Ron and Fez show, we had Larry Miller come in and Larry um, is had just been in a, a coma like a year or two ago. And he talked, oh, I was in a coma for you know, 10 days, and then they brought me out of it, and I'm like, uh, yeah, I think that'll probably happen uh, with Joan. Uh, coming up a little later on today, we're going to play um, the Unmasked that I did an hour long with Joan Rivers, but I'm also going to play a couple other interviews. First time I met Joan, and another time that we sat around and talked about her early days in the village. And when you talk, I always kind of measure a lot of comedians about the class that they kind of came in with. Today, you know, I, I brought up Larry Miller, but him bringing up Seinfeld right away, because those guys you kind of go through life with. Uh, Joan, it was Carlin. It was Pryor. Lenny Bruce was the big guy, you know. Um, and they were all working down in the village in the late 50s, early 60s. Bill Cosby was one of those guys. And it was just an amazing, terrific time when stand-up comedy went from jokes to people actually telling um, funny stories. Um Bonnie McFarlane is on the line right now. And Bonnie, of course, has that documentary out, Women Aren't Funny. And Joan was part of that. How are you, Bonnie? Hi. Oh, God. It's just awful. Yeah. Awful news. I just I thought she was really going to pull out of it. I, I felt really the same did. way. Yeah. She, she's a survivor, you know? She yeah. survived so many things in her career and in her life. And you just think, oh, this won't. This will slow her down a little, but it's not going to stop her. I was actually thinking, like, even if she ends up in a wheelchair or something, she's still going to be doing fun, you know, being funny. And, you know, something just occurred to me, and I, I'll always love him for this. The fact that Jimmy Fallon brought her back yes. to The Tonight Show, that meant so much to her. And I, um, uh, I, I'm so glad that she had the opportunity to go back and do that. But, Bonnie, you doing this women aren't funny you you had to have seen through you know of how much women doing comedy followed uh you know in the footsteps of what joan did well in a way you know nobody could follow in her footsteps because she she really was a pioneer i mean yeah. she the one thing about joan is that she never she never went on a talk show or she never did an appearance where she wasn't joking where she didn't have I don't know if she just had them in her head or she was making them up or what her process was, but she was always funny. Yeah. I mean, she could be serious for a minute, but then she would always have a joke. She never, 
she never rested on like, oh, I'm Joan Rivers now, I'm famous, I don't have to. She just always brought it, and it's like I think, I think more comedians could, you know, take a page from that book. It's like just be funny all the time. Even right now, if she was talking to you about someone else who passed away, she would have a joke, and I don't. I mean, she's she's the greatest. Well. It's um, it's funny that you bring that because, you know, to me, there's always a, a, a it's always like a different type of comedian. But if like let's say Bobby Kelly or Rich Foss comes in, they always come in to kill. But whenever a lot of the new alternative comics come in, they just come in to sit with you and be here. And you know, it's just like Joan would want to do that thing. Is I did the show. Did I slay? Did I yes. kill? Did I do yeah. it? You know, when um, when you watch that documentary that she did about her life, and again, that's another thing. I'm so glad that that documentary yeah. was shot. Yeah. And she went down to do that tribute uh, for Carlin. She went in there to compete against John Stewart and the other people <laughs> in the tribute. You yes. know, yeah. I mean, she was a true true comic she was a had a comics mind and a comic soul and she didn't let anything uh stop her you know i mean she obviously you know she had such career troubles at certain points sure. in her life her husband um you know committed suicide it was she had, she had real you know tragedies going on and she just kept on coming you know and uh I don't know. I just, I just, it's, I wish that she was, I just, I feel so sad. Obviously she's 81. It's like, you know, but I feel so sad that we're not going to hear her take on everything anymore. Yeah. You know? It's yeah, like, it's an amazing thing that somebody could be eighty-one and you still kind of had that feeling that they were taken too soon. Um, yes, and I remember yes. thinking it was just after that last unmasked. I was like, I bet she does this for another twenty years. It, it just felt like that was what was going to happen. Well, she, I think, taped the day before she went in for that initial um, throat uh, operation. I think she taped a. Um, fashion police. I mean, she really, truly worked right up until the end, which was probably something she wanted to do. I mean, yes, you know, she was always working, and it, and she loved it. And uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe she just, maybe it's better. Maybe she didn't want to be slowed down. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I guess we can make any rationalization we want, but it's um. It's still tough when losing um, Joan Rivers at uh, age 81 today. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Thank you. And, um, you know, whatever. I feel terrible. Okay, sweetie. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, another uh, great comedian, uh, Tammy Pescadelli, is on hold with us. Uh, let's go to her now. Tammy. Thanks for calling. Hey guys. Hey. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, it was great to hear hear Bonnie talk about it. I really don't even know what to say. I am in. Why are we in shock when someone who's eighty one years old passes away? Do you feel like such an idiot to say that? No, I I honestly feel like there was no possible way to uh, to grip this and. You know, some of the suits here, when the initial nose uh, went on, um, they said to us, well, do you plan on doing something if Joan, should we do a, a tribute if Joan passes away? And I said, I don't think she's going to pass away. And I would feel, first of all, I'd, I'd feel terrible 
planning something. Um, but second, no, I, I'm, I'm, she's really, really strong, and she's really tough, and I can't see this happening. I know. I, well, I do think, because I really thought about I was just getting off uh, the plane, and I thought, which is always jarring to hear news now, like when you're doing something else, and CNN is just blasting it right out. Like, And I saw that, you know, she had passed, and I really thought she was going to pull through. She was a tough broad. And I think that she would love that everyone thought she was going to make it. You know right. what I mean? I think she, maybe too, we don't see her as frail. You, I mean, you might want to say it was because of, she looked younger than 81, maybe because of the plastic surgery, but she hurt mentally. I, I just saw her recently on stage and she can, you know, dish with some of the best of them. There's, there are comics that are 24 years old that wish they were half as as spry and witty as Joan Rivers. Yeah, well, you know, when I when I did the Unmasked, I went back and watched some of the stuff. And even, like, when I guess her career was peaking in um, the 80s before, uh, you know, when she was doing The Tonight Show and going on. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, I think she's better today than she was then. You know what I mean? Like, just in terms of timing and material, I honestly think at eight, and there's not a lot of professions that you can say that about, you know, but I thought she had better timing even now than she did when she was cracking Johnny Carson up. And you know what else I think? I think she wasn't such an anomaly. You know, back then, think about, is there any peer of her generation of female? No, I mean, it was Joan. And that was, I'll never forget this. You know, I had that failed uh, reality show for a while on We, but it followed hers. Mm-hmm. And so when we did press together, we did, well, we didn't do press together, but we did uh, press internally for the network where we all had to come and do some photo shoots. And she and Melissa were there. And then... I was there with my husband and my son, and I was really sick. And I, you know, I said, please don't, I wanted to give her a hug. I go, but please don't come close. I don't feel sick. And I'm here at work. And she said, of course you are. Where else would you be, honey? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, you have a TV show. I don't care if you have an IV. You roll it out, and you and you hold your arm behind your back. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You know, but she always, I said, I said to her, um, it was, that was one of the first times I met her. And I said, you know, I just, you are such an inspiration. She goes, Oh Christ, if I have to hear that one more time. You know? She hated that. She did not <laughs> she want to, yeah. She, what, what she wanted to do, Tammy, seriously, is to, uh, burn you down. Go on stage. And t- you know what I mean? Just like a good boxer. You know what I mean? She was yeah. always looking around. Who's next? Who's next? And I think that was her real way of honoring other comics, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was amazing because then I thought, oh, God, she hates me. But then she sent me a little note and just you know, when the show aired and she just told me it was great and she was happy. You know, I think they expected I think the network expected her to, like, pass the torch. Right. And she wasn't passing nothing. No, nothing. She was stand- and no, nor should she have, by the way. Yeah. But, you know. Nor should she have. And it was there was this one moment where they wanted us another time to do a commercial together. So like we'd be standing, and 
together, and then she would say something, uh, and then come up after me and watch this one. And I was standing there ready to film it, and she, they said, okay, Joan, we have to do this. And she said, no, we don't. And everybody just came. She goes, it's not up to me to promote her show. I have to promote my show. And, you know, a lot of people go, were you pissed? I wasn't pissed at all. To me, I was like, that is brilliant. She was right. She knew what business was. I can't take that personally. It wasn't up to her to worry about my show. She wasn't there for the network to be there, there the face of the network. You know what I mean? She right. was there to work on her show with her thing and everybody else. And it was such a great, brilliant business lesson because she was smart and savvy. And then she looked at me and she goes, don't take it personal, kid. And I said, I don't. You know? I mean, it was. I would have never had, at that time, the, the chutzpah to just... Tell the network people, I'm not doing it. Can you imagine? No, I, I, I think the beauty of that is that was her way of, uh, of saying, you know, you belong in this business. You know, I think that's the beauty of that story. Yeah, um, and she knew who she was. She wasn't going to give. She was going to give them everything they asked for. She was a consummate professional. She would give them everything that she was contracted for. But if they wanted something else then they were going to have to pay for it. And I couldn't have, I went to college for four years for an undergrad and two years for an MBA, and I learned more in that 36 seconds from that woman <laughs> than I learned all those years. I love it. Thank you so much for calling us, Tammy. Oh, I love you guys. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Um, it is the Ron and Fez show, and uh, it's always, you know, it's always like a shocking thing to... To lose somebody who's been that kind of part of your life for so many years. But in the case of Joan Rivers, I don't remember a, a time in my life who, when I didn't know who she was. Like, even as a little kid, uh, because I used to love to see when comics would come on TV, whether it was The Tonight Show or Sullivan. It just seemed like she was that person who was going to show up over and over. I was just, uh, had her on July 1st, I believe. Um, after talking and asking her to do it for years, she finally sat down to do an hour of Unmasked. She was funny and honest and and vulnerable and cocky and everything that you wanted to be. Just a very uh, complicated, interesting woman. And I have to tell you, the book that she put out was so edgy in parts like really cringe-inducing and funny on every single page. But almost every time, like, there were times that you would be reading the book and you'd be just, like, cringing with your finger over your eyes. Like, my, you know, <laughs> who still could do that to you? Um, one of the great comedians working today on the line with us right now, uh, the one and only... Lisa Lampanelli. Lisa, thank you so much for calling us today. Of course, after you say cringe-inducing, you introduce me, which is really <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh. Well, it's a really pretty sad occasion, isn't it? It is sad and oddly shocking, and I'm, I'm looking up uh, at, you know... CNN, MSNBC, Fox, everybody is running this story, uh, which, you know, lets you know 
how big Joan Rivers got in her life that that she they're basically doing a stop the presses on yeah. her death. Yeah, and it's really funny how yeah I really feel you know, Joan to me wasn't just a woman comic; she was just a comic. You know, <laughs> she was so groundbreaking and edgy, even by guy standards. Right. That she's that standard women comics should always aspire to to just be funny overall and shock anyone they can, not just the chicks in the audience. And I, I'm sure you've heard this from other comics already, women especially. If she didn't do what she did, none of us would have a job today. Because somebody has to break down the door, somebody has to go head on, and she did not give up, and she just did it first, and now we get to ride on her coattails, thank goodness. Yeah, and I think she would be the first to say, like, she didn't go out and do it for you. You know what I mean? She wasn't, like, the door's open, I'm going to do a salute to young female comics. Right. And and the fact is, she didn't have to. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, I think she was just an example that you can work so hard even to, I mean, she was, what, 80? 81. 81. Mm -hmm. Okay, who's out there? In any other business, at age 81, still going strong like that. And, yes, I get that after seeing the documentary, a lot of it was that she stopped working, that she only felt useful when she was working that hard and the empty calendar haunted her. But you know what? That's the same way it is for a lot of us. And it was beautiful to see that our insecurities are also echoed in somebody who is so groundbreaking, too. So if after seeing her documentary, it made me feel not as alone anymore. Like, I'm the only one who looks at their book and freaks out if the page isn't full. You know, the other thing that was amazing about her at age 81, she didn't wasn't really nostalgic. Her act was not nostalgic. You know, she wasn't doing the can we talk catchphrase and still going back. Her material was still new, still fresh at age 81. There are some comics that I obviously won't mention any names who, you know, are old. They've been doing the same act for, you know, 50 years because that's what people want to hear, you mm-hmm. know, and it's iconic, yes. But she did not rest on any laurels. And honestly, if you look at her, you go, well, then we had the right to take a day off and to kind of let it ride a little. She had the right to do that, but she didn't. So you guys just admire that. And Joan wasn't particularly a fan of mine at all, you know. She really bad things about me. I was always wrong about it and it was trouble. But I never... uh, Yeah, Lisa, we're having a little bit of trouble with your phone. I'm going to put you on hold for a second and see if we can't get it back there. Um, let me try again. Are we working any better now? Uh, we lost her completely. Uh, Lisa Lampanelli. Man, she was just getting into the fact of saying that Joan had said some horrible <laughs> things about her. Um, that's when I met. Joan was still competing. Joan was not... Um, you know, if people would bring up like, hey, what do you think of Sarah Silverman? She would always be like, why Why would you ask me about Sarah Silverman? She's got her show to do. I do my show. She wasn't like, there's always, and I'm always interested in those interviewers who are like, how do you feel about anyone who's younger than you? You know what I mean? Like, it's the yeah. way, I, I, whether you did it to somebody in rock and roll or any other form. Uh, if you're just joining us, um, Joan Rivers uh, passed away today 
at age 81. We're going to talk to some folks uh, as well as play some of the um, interviews that she did here uh, with us. And uh, one of them is an hour-long Unmasked, which is is pretty fantastic uh, because she was so open and so honest and so together about everything. But let's play a little more of her stand-up right now. Um, it is a salute and tribute to the one and only Joan Rivers. Can we talk here? I wouldn't change my life for anybody. I love being a woman. I love living now. Only, only one bad thing about being a woman. You have to go to the gynecologist regularly. <gasps> I hate the gynecologist, don't you? <gasps> they, talk, they talk about, can we talk here? They talk about men being brave. Men don't know what bravery is. <laughs> You give a man a helmet, is that brave? No. You give a man a gun, is that brave? No. I shall tell you what bravery is. <laughs> bravery is every woman in this room tonight. You wanna know what bravery is? Bravery is to make a gynecologist appointment and to show up. That is what bravery is all about. You're damn right we should show up. Oh yes. We should have a stamp commemorating us, don't you think? Someone like Marlo Thomas in the stirrups. I've been thinking about this. slit and the tape with the paper and they put one foot in the one stirrup and the other foot in the other stirrup and the first words you hear slide down down. and I want to know how you know that first thing you hear slide down I can't I'm stuck to the paper That's the other one. Relax. You're not relaxed. Relax. Relax. I can't get my hand out. Relax. I wonder why I'm not relaxed. My feet are in the stirrups. My knees are in my face and the door is open facing me. And there's always a guy in the waiting room you went to high school with. It never fails. Oh, sure. Examining life. Whenever that examining light goes on, I want to get his head right through my legs. Surprise, I got you, son of a bitch, I got you. And I'm not gonna let go till you trick or treat. Oh, shh. See, can we talk here? See, men don't understand, okay? Men don't understand because they go to the proctologist. They are flipped over, they're on their stomachs, they can fantasize. Oh, sure. I'll tell you nothing, Nazi pig. Nothing. <laughs> but for a woman, for a woman to lie in those stirrups, is that, is that, is that, is that the worst? Is that the worst? The worst. The pits, the pits, the pits. And my gynecologist does jokes. Jokes. You know what it's like to have your doctor do a joke? Dr. Schwartz at your cervix. My God, it's jokes. Do you know what it's like to be in the stirrups and your doctor walk in wearing a snorkel? <gasps> Carrying a pool sweep? My God, it's shucks. 
I'm dilated to meet you. <laughs> Say ah. <laughs> Nurse Kelly, come here. Want to see cobwebs? Ah. <laughs> and bring that end dust. Ah. <laughs> There's Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> that son of a bitch unless you learn to throw your voice. Wouldn't that be great? Hold up! He dropped dead. Wouldn't that be great? How's the way the kids? Ah! See, see, can we talk here? See, that's what makes me proud. Proud to be a woman. Proud. That we could go to the gynecologist knowing we're going to be insulted and yet we go. True? Look at this, one true, another true, and the rest, every woman in this room, we are insulted. Insulted, insulted. We have spent the whole morning taking a bath, am I correct? Taking a bath, am I correct? Powdering, am I correct? Perfuming, am I correct? Shaving the legs, and not to the knee, but the big shave, all the way up the leg. A good douche, vinegar and Perrier, am I correct? doctor has the nerve to put on a rubber glove? Who is he? <laughs> like to see his kitchen. Oh, shh. That is uh, Joan Rivers uh, just crushing it. Uh, so funny. We got cut off with Lisa Lampanelli. Lisa was kind enough to call us today, the day that uh, Joan Rivers passed away at 81 years old. Lisa, thank you so much for calling us back. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm so sorry. I was driving around in Connecticut, and there's a lot of dead cell phone areas, so I'm sorry. But I was just saying how I, um, you know, having just lost my dad, as you know, mm -hmm. I just can't stop thinking about Joan's daughter right now because. Uh, it just is very heartbreaking. I never realized how it felt to lose someone that close to you. And I know, you know, they had funny moments where there was fight and this and that on TV, but you know, there were no two closer people. So right now my mind is really full of, you know, warmth and love for her daughter and grandson. And I just, I, I pray they're okay. It's just a really hard thing to go through. You were saying that uh, Joan what, what didn't always say the kindest things about you. No, you know, she attacked me a lot on Howard Stern's show, and I would always get a call from Howard Stern News saying, what do you have to say back to Joan? I go, guess what? Nothing. Because Joan Rivers is an icon. She gets to have any opinion about anyone that she wants. Right. She gets to say whatever she wants, and she earned it. So, like, don't even worry about it. Because I don't think you can ever take it personally when someone makes fun of you, you know, mm -hmm. and jokes about you. And even if they say, I don't like her, she's not funny, that's called an opinion, and it's okay, especially from an icon, maybe take their opinion and learn a little from it. Well, yeah, in the case of that, I mean, she, you know, when she would have a tendency to look over her shoulder and see somebody coming on, you know, she would start to compete um, like she was young and hadn't achieved all this stuff. But you knew, at least at that point, you had to feel like you somehow made it if you were making her sweat a little bit. Oh, my God, just the fact that she'd even know my name. That's how I always felt about people like who were super famous and sort of iconic that way, like Don Rickles, Howard Stern, uh, Jeffrey Gurian. Of course, I throw that in as a joke because he's a nobody. <laughs> but, um, no, no, for those people, Joan Rivers, to even know I'm on a radar yeah. at some point, I'm like, 
whoa, I made it. And also, I don't know if necessarily it was always that it was people nipping at her heels, because she was always super complimentary of, you know, other female comics. Hey, if you weren't her cup of tea, you weren't her cup of tea. But, uh, you know, she made no bones about it, and I kind of got cracked up about it. I, I don't remember ever going that a-hole, because I go, it's Joan! Do you see what she says? It's yeah. kind of like getting your feelings hurt at a roast. It's not allowed. Lisa, thank you so much for checking in with us today. I appreciate it. Oh, I love it. you guys. I love you guys, and my heart goes out to that family. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye, darling. Bye, Um It's amazing we're hearing from so many of the, the women today. Um, a couple saying straight out that they wouldn't have even done what they did if it wasn't for Joan Rivers. It's so funny um, that sometimes you just go out and do things for your own reason, and it inspires people. Some people turn around and, you know, talk or try to bring people up, and that inspires people. But other people just live a life, and it inspires people. And that's the thing that it always reminded me of with Joan is just by her going out and doing her thing. Um, you know, when you talk about groundbreaking, I'm not sure if anyone else had ever done stand-up while pregnant the way she did. You know what I mean? Like, she would go out and do the Tonight Show um, and be rough and edgy <laughs> and funny and, you know, brilliant. And be with child. And I'm not sure if anyone had done that before because, A, it was considered a man's game to be with. And then, B, you know, there was a certain time in this country where just the whole idea of pregnancy reminded people of of sex. So you were supposed to um, stay home anyway. Uh, here's a guy named Max who um, says that he knew Joan. How are you, Max? I'm doing okay. Yeah. I'm doing okay. It's kind of rough to follow Lisa Lapinella. You want to follow her? Yeah, that's true, right? She killed. Uh, I just be real quick. Uh, well, first of all, Joan did break a lot of ground, not only for the women, but just for her edginess. And, you know, Don Rickles made fun of people. Uh, a guy named Jackie Leonard years ago made fun of people. But it was people in the audience. She actually went to people like the Queen, the First Lady. She actually broke the ground for women and men to go after the people in the news that was foreboding at one time. So she broke that ground for every comic out there. Mm -hmm. Now, how did and, you know her, Max? Okay, uh, well, I'm a comic. Uh, uh, I've been a comic for 30 years. Uh, it's a little embarrassing that i got to tell you that, but that's my life. Anyway, I was in the movie Roxanne uh, years ago, and she came to the premiere party. And I was there with my agent because I really didn't know anybody in L.A. And there's a big, big party. There's a lot of dancing, a big band. And it was pretty crazy. A lot of celebrities there, and she was there. And I felt kind of lonely because I didn't know anybody. I was in the movie. And I turned to my, and I saw Joan sitting there with Edgar. And I said, you think I could go over and ask her to dance? And my agent said, hey, you're in the movie. She knows who you are now. I said, okay. And I went over and I asked if I could have a dance with her. And she said, absolutely. 
and we danced. And I was like, in seventh heaven, you know, I'm a, a new actor, a new comic in the 80s, and it was just great. And we talked about the movie, and she asked me what I did, and uh, she says, you know, Edgar doesn't like to dance, which obviously I think he had a foot problem at that time we found out later. But uh, it was great. And then a couple years later, my career was moving up. And I got on Hollywood Squares, and she was the center box. And they always put the newbies either to the right or left of the center box or up and down, uh, above or below. Because those boxes really aren't asked many questions, because you always got to get the corners, basically. And uh, I sat right next to her, and she looked at me, and she went, Max? And I went, yes, yeah, we danced. And I went, I didn't want to bring it up. She looked kind of busy there. And she just lost Edgar. And she goes, oh, thank God there's somebody next to me I could talk to. And I was like, shocked. Like, we, we danced once. We were like the best of friends. But it was like so cool. And she was playing with a nut and bolt. It was like a, a silver uh, bolt. And she was turning the nut on it and taking it off. And she says, I do this because I'm so nervous and I don't know where my career is. She was like just venting to me and I was listening. And again, I was like, this really happening. But we, we did well. We had the first show and I got asked one question and I made her laugh. And after we used to do a whole week of shows in one day. So in between shows, she said, you know what? You deserve to be in a corner. You're that funny. And I said, well, I'm just glad to be here. And she called the producers over, and she made them move. I mean, this is, this is just a weird thing. <laughs> Wally Amos, remember he, the, the Amos famous cookie. Famous Amos, yeah. Right. And they took him out of a corner and put him next to her and put me in the corner. And I was... I got like 20 questions asked to me. And after the show, she was just says, always get what you deserve. And uh, that's just my two stories. She was just, you know, everybody knows she was funny. Everybody knows she was edgy. Everybody knows that. But this was her on a one-to-one -one with a stranger or somebody she only knew once. And that's all I want to say. Max Alexander, thank you so much for calling us, buddy. My pleasure. Bye. Um, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, talking about the fact that uh, we just lost Joan Rivers today. Um, we're going to go back into some of Joan's stand-up right stand -up, now. Yeah. Later, we'll be playing a couple of the interviews that we did with her, as well as the Unmasked. Uh, and this is Joan Rivers. The last thing is charity. No people that want me to help them with their charity. I backstage, I got nine letters. Oh, please, you want us Celebrity Apprentice, will you help us with our charity? I have my own charities. Thank you very much. I, and I am very charitable. You can look at me. You can see. Just give, give, give. Hey, guys. No, no. Uh, every year, the Hilton Girls, I do Toys for Twats. That's one of my big ones. National Chairwoman for Osteoporosis. Do not applaud, because you're always here. Snap, snap.
snap. <laughs> I went to the osteoporosis um, big meeting, right? And they gave me a standing ovation. I thought they'd all left. All you saw was like this. And I have a new charity, which I love. It's for old people, sex for old people. And, and I'm going to ask you to sign up in the lobby on your way out. It's called Feels on Wheels. It is just... Once a month we go to a strange person's house, we ring their bell and we just jerk them off. It, it, <laughs> the only thing is, if you're gonna help me, bring a book, because they're a little older, you know? It takes a while with them. It's like, Thanks, lady. That's okay, Pops. <laughs> because it's very important. I am a very charitable person. I, 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 you, oh, you have no idea. You know who told me to be charitable? Uh, Sean Penn. Sean Penn said to me, oh, he's so smart. He said, Joan, you'll get the paparazzi. That's why we all do charity. You know that. That's why all the, 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 the celebrities do charity, because you get your picture in the paper, they take your picture. He said to me, you go and you do something, it's like a win-win, you help some asshole, who gives a shit? But you get your, well, come on, that's what it's all about. And he and I, the first thing we did, we went to the city, oh, um, oh, the one that got, oh, you know what I've heard, the, the city that got wet, um, New Orleans. We went, no, no. what a bunch of assholes. You build a city below sea level, it rains, and you're wet. Surprise! So Sean said, let's go to, let's go to New Orleans. So we went to New Orleans, and we had a fabulous time. I talked about this on, on Jimmy Fallon show. We had our own boat, which was great, and in it I had my hairdresser and my makeup man and my PR person and the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and Entertainment Tonight. It, it was just great. And we bought sandwiches. It was really good. And it was one of those perfect days. You know, not too bright on the water, just really nice and all. And they're taking our picture, we're rowing, la, la, la. And then every once in a while, to ruin the whole goddamn thing, a hand would come up and out of the water and grab the boat. No, 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 get your own. Get your own fucking boat. But I, I also, oh, oh, with Olivia Newton-John, yeah, we walked the Great Wall of China for, 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 um, for breast cancer. Because all my friends now have breast cancer. Everybody's got breast cancer. I get all these phone calls, I've got breast cancer, I lost a breast. You lost 11 pounds, shut the fuck up. Because my age, they're dying of everything. Every week I go to a different funeral and the minister says the same thing. She's in a better place. Not so, she had a house in the Hamptons. And it's just... Call me up. Hurry up. Amy's dying. Get over here before they pull the plug. It'll make you feel better. Yes, Amy. Amy, it's Joan. Oh, darling. Can you hear me? Before you die, I want you to know I fucked your husband. I feel better. Because all these old ladies, all these old ladies who admit they're old, all my friends, they still think they're hot. Goldie Hawn. Yeah, still think she's hot. 
Would you believe I've got a grown-up daughter? Yes! And lower your hem. Your nipples are showing. Yes! She's not a pacemaker. She went to a wet t-shirt contest. She was fucking electrocuted for 20 minutes. I had to put the paddles on her breast. That is the one and only Joan Rivers. Um, so we're playing some of her stuff and talking to some uh, comedians about uh, Joan's legacy and honoring her a little bit today. And someone stopped by and they said, do you think that some of this material is inappropriate for the day Joan passed away? And I'm like, yeah, I hope so. Because that's kind of keeping in with the way uh, Joan was. I, I think that she would... Um, she would love the fact that that played on the day that she passed away. Uh, talking to so many great comedians today who uh, wanted to talk a little bit about Joan Rivers, but um, one of today's best is on hold with us, uh, Amy Schumer. Amy, thank you so much for calling us today. Oh, thanks for putting me on. Um, sad day. It is an incredibly sad day. Uh, but this would be about the only time that you could ever really sit around and say anything kind of nice or honor Joan because she wouldn't put up with it, you know? <laughs> yeah, she was just like such a comic and such a worker. Like she just wasn't about the like praise. She just wanted to just, just you know, just talk comedy and just, you know, up to the very end was just... Um, yeah, she. You could never try to deal with her like a, a a woman who is eighty. You had to just talk to her like a comic, and she was. You just didn't feel like, oh, or like, do you need me? She was just. She just wanted to talk about about comedy and just be relevant, and she totally was. I um, I got to meet her at the. It was the premiere of her movie, A Piece of Work, the documentary, which yeah. was so great, and I just everyone should see it. I watched it a, a lot. Uh, and uh, it's like so hilarious, but also such an inspiration to um, to me, and not not just female comics, but just comics. And she, um, I went over to her, and I just kind of had to fight my way through a bunch of press because everybody was like just she was being mobbed. Everybody wanted to talk to her, and I introduced myself, and she said, "Oh, oh, you're a comic. Oh, okay. Um, well, I, I, this is where all the comics are going to hang out. Tell tell everybody, and I have to talk to the press, whatever. But this is this is where we'll be." And, Okay, you'll tell everyone. And she just like, I was like, that's so cool. Like, you know, she should just be like plugging this movie and running around. But she just couldn't wait to get to the part of the night where she could just sit around and, and not bullshit with comics. So I just thought that was so cool. So when you look at something like that documentary, because I mean, it did show that even at that age. Uh, it's still tough work. Some of this stuff would be beneath someone of her income and social status, you know. But did but do you look at that something like, yeah, I'll, I'll take that gig as a lifetime? Oh, I think like something about about being a stand up just keeps you beyond humble. Like you just undervalue yourself, if anything. And and there is just this fear that you will sort of slip out of relevance and that you don't know where the next job will come from and and uh and i think you know she wasn't uh an exception to that but she just she just never like let herself get too comfortable and just wanted to just keep working and keep getting better and i just yeah like it was just such a 
it was just so cool to to be around and to see um and uh yeah and it just makes you feel like i'm sorry that's okay down i just you know like you, you as like a younger girl you you feel like a little bit different than than other people you're in school with and to see someone like her and know that you're not you're not alone and there's this person who's so funny and working so hard it just um it just meant a lot to me and i know it meant a lot to everybody that i'm that i'm close to all the comedians and she's just i always just think of it like who would you pay to see at at this point that's kind of like the ultimate compliment i can see because we see so much stand up and and she she's just always been on that list for me, and uh, just just hilarious. And 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 you know, someone like me who, when I first started out, thought I was so edgy for making a joke, like some sort of irreverent joke about abortion. But then if you watch her, she's on the she's on Carson doing it. Like, Back when it was illegal. Yeah, when it was illegal, she's talking about her friends going to Puerto Rico to get appendectomies. Just like. God damn, the balls on her to do it. That, yeah. and I know, like I, I know she wouldn't want me to be like, you know, talking about what an inspiration she was. She would work what we would all want, which is just would want to just, uh, just talk about like the funniest, just the funniest stuff, and just sort yeah. of honor her like that. Um, and uh, and she just made me laugh so much, and I just, um, yeah, like her joke, seeing her. Seeing her like on stage, even in her seventies, bent over, saying that like anal sex is like more practical because you can get stuff done. You can iron. Out. Yeah, <laughs> right. You can iron. You can just, just acting and how you're just like God. It was just, just her balls and her her work ethic just blew me away. Yeah, the uh, the stand up, the edginess never stopped, and it was never even like oh she was edgy for her age or isn't it shocking that. An older woman would say this. I mean, the material itself yeah. was as edgy as Doug Stanhope or Jim Norton were Absolutely. doing on the same day. You know? Absolutely, and Norton is a huge fan of hers too. Yeah, um, yeah. We all like totally shared a, a love and respect for her. Um, yeah, and I'm just, I'm just like grateful that I got to meet her and uh, and just grateful to her. Yeah. Yeah, it's very rare that we lose somebody at 81 and feel like, well, a bunch of, you know, jokes were taken away from us. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, like she had more jokes to tell. Yeah, like she had more. more jokes to tell. And I guarantee you, the day, either the day before she died, uh, you know, went into that coma, or the morning of, she was jotting jokes down. Oh, yeah. That's what that's she did. the very last second. Yeah. Um Thank you so much for uh, for letting me call in. No, I'll talk to you later, Amy. Thank All you right. so much, darling. Bye. All right. Bye. Um, that was Amy Schumer, who, you know, in my opinion, is um, you know got a television show that's just so damn funny today. Uh, you know, she's doing like really funny work, and of course, you know, film and all. But at the same time, she's surrounding herself with so many great people, and it's just getting stronger and stronger for her um, to uh, 
to hear some of these stories is um, is remarkable. Like I said earlier, sometimes we say things to people and it inspires them, and then other times you can just use your own life to inspire people. Let's play um, some more of the stand-up of Joan Rivers. Coming up a little later on, we will play the Unmasked uh, that we've done with Joan and a couple of the interviews that we've done um, on this show. Uh, But we will miss her, and it's a pleasure to honor her today and to think about her today. And as I said, this is the only way she would have allowed that uh, to happen. Um, she would have had to have passed away before she let anybody call her a legend or an icon because she was never a fan of it. This is the great Joan Rivers. Aren't rock stars... Can we talk here? Aren't rock stars ugly? I was on the Carson Show two times ago and I mentioned rock stars were ugly and I got letters from all over America. Rock stars are not ugly. Rock... Rod Stewart... Rod Stewart, he has got acne. I think you could play Connect the Dots for a year on this man's face. Do you think I'm sexy? Squish, 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 squish. Barry Manilow, a nose. If he was on hard drugs, he could inhale Peru. Uh, uh, the one with the lips, the one with the lips, the big lips, the lips, the lips. Mick Jagger, he could French kiss a moose. I have never seen that. From here to the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. Oh, sh- He's got childbearing lips. And, oh, sh- he- St- Stevie, Wa- Stevie Wonder, that poor son of a bitch. <gasps> Who's going to tell him he's wearing a macrame plant holder on his head? And, and- matter, damn it, because a man, as long as he's alive, he can be rich, he can be poor, he can be clean, he can be dirty, he is a catch. That's why you're single. Remember, you have a limited amount of time. You're a woman. A man, this son of a bitch you're with, is not going to marry you. This son of a bitch, he's going to be around till he's 98. We have an extra man. Bring him along. He's 98. Bring him, bring him. He's dead. We'll prop him. Bring him. Oh, sure. Because they're double standards even today. Oh, look at the room, suddenly so quiet. Oh, come on. There are still double standards. A man can sleep around and sleep around. Nobody asks any question. A woman, you make 19, 20 mistakes. Right away, you're a tramp. Oh, shit. Not fair. That's why it's so hard to be a woman. I, uh, how old are you? Oh, you're very cute. Yes, did you go to college? That's why you're too smart. Men like I'm stupid. Oh, no, no. Oh, man. Oh, what? Oh, grow up. Don't give me all this liberation shit. Men like them stupid. Oh, all you need is a pretty face and a trick pelvis and you're home free. And oh, shit. the generation where they never told you these things. I'm the generation where you had you. I was 28 years old and single. Oh, my mother was going crazy. How old were you when you got married? 23, so no chicken either. Yeah, yeah. Did you wear white? Okay, excuse me. I don't want to hear. So defensive, yes. Were you a nurse? So, 
I had a big black hem on my dress. Ouch! I walked down the aisle, every, every usher went, why? When the rabbi said, do you take this man? 14 guys said she has. Oh, it's just... My husband bought the horseback riding story, thank God. But... Uh, the one and only um, Joan Rivers. Uh, if you're just joining us, Joan Rivers passed away earlier today. Coming up a little later, I'm going to play the one hour on mass that I did with Joan a little while ago, as well as a couple other uh, interviews. Um, one of the real pleasures of my life is that I got to know Joan a little bit and have some of these uh, discussions because... Uh, I'm not only it was was I a big fan of her comedy, but I ended up being becoming a, a real big fan of her as a person. I really just thought the world uh, world of her. Here's some of the folks who've already checked in with us today: Bonnie McFarlane, Tammy Pescadelli, Lisa Lampanelli, Max Alexander, Amy Schumer. Um, and who do we got on hold, Chris? Oh, we have Sarah Benincasa, comedian, writer. She used to host, uh, co-host a show on SiriusXM called uh, Getting Ben on the Cosmo Channel, written for Nerve, Huffington Post. Sarah, thank you so much for calling us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. What what an honor to get to, to talk, be on your show, first of all, and second of all, to talk about Joan Rivers. It's amazing. Um, you know, it's a very, very strange thing because uh, for most of us, um, we don't really remember uh, a time where Joan Rivers wasn't around. I think it was 49 years ago was, the fir- was her first Tonight Show. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, I found a book. I think it came out in 1974. Um, so uh, I'm 33. So it, it, it was like a copy I found in the 80s called Having a Baby Can Be a Scream. And I wasn't supposed to read it, <laughs> but I read it when I was a really little kid. And it was so funny and so naughty in this way. I, I didn't know that a mom could make jokes like that. <laughs> And it kind of forever formed my idea of like, hey, moms can be pretty, can be pretty edgy. Moms can be pretty badass. So um, I, I first found, like, learned about her from reading when I was a little kid, and then of course she was just a staple of TV my whole life. You know, uh, I was actually bringing this up earlier. I'm fairly sure that Joan had to be the first person ever to do stand-up uh, pregnant on television. You know? Oh, I have no doubt. That yeah. would have been hugely groundbreaking. Absolutely. So we were talking about, you know, the fact of being groundbreaking, particularly as an edgy comic. Um, but I, I'm going to imagine even more so for women that in the back of your mind, you know, it's always Joan is out there somewhere. Oh, yeah. I mean, her. I was thinking about it today. And I was thinking, you know, between her... And I think of her up there with Lucille Ball. Mm-hmm. I, I put, you know, Phyllis Diller in that category, of course. Like, these, I wouldn't be able to do what I do as a woman standing on stage and saying the filthy things that I say, yeah. which hopefully are entertaining, having that attitude and that edge. I mean, I wouldn't. It would be impossible without her. And, you know, she was, I, I never met her, but I did see her once, and I, I freaked out. It was on my way into Sirius XM. She was walking out, maybe from talking to you. She's walking out, and it was like the sea parted, and everybody just stared like in awe. And she just walked to her car, and she was this, you know, tiny thing. Yeah. It's amazing that so such a 
such a huge personality could be in such a tiny package. And, um, you know, a lot of those people walk fast to get past, like, TMZ or whatever, and she would always do the, come here, come on, what do you got? And there was always, like, she was perfect for TMZ, she was perfect for any of those things. The last thing that I saw her do on one of those shows is, uh, you know, they were bring, you know bringing up Palestine, and of course the debates are going back and forth, and then she starts yelling at them, they attacked us, it's like if New Jersey started shooting missiles at New York. And uh, I was just... <laughs> I loved it, and yeah. listen, I'm politically on a different side of that divide, and so some of my friends were very upset. I was like, who cares? She's hilarious. Like, the to me... Comedy rises above everything else, including politics. I, I, she was so funny and wild. I could not agree with you more because on that thing, I was all about like pulling it back a bit. But when she brought that up, uh, and that's always the best stuff that sometimes people that you might disagree with on certain things can make you laugh even about the stuff that you disagree about that that there's got to be more of a connection you know like like we're closer than we think most of the oh, time yeah. yeah oh yeah i mean absolutely i think that comedy binds us if you can laugh at something you can overcome it and she laughed at the darkest things in in her own life as well as you know in out in the world i mean what a what an example to set for other people not just women but any comedian sure. she seemed to have no fear she did not seem scared at all ever and there are so many people that you know the edges aren't as sharp as the years go by you know what i mean they've kind of toned it back a little bit where you know shock jocks become sportscasters or whatever but jones act the night before she went into that coma, coma was as edgy as it's ever been in her entire life, and probably even edgier. I was thinking today. I was saying, I was saying, like Joan Rivers would make Joan Rivers jokes right now. Oh, like, absolutely. She would make. She would be the harshest, the funniest. Like I think it's a credit to somebody when, especially a public person who's been held up in this the way we elevate celebrities, but that she could always laugh at herself. I always admired that so much about her. Thank you for being on with us, Sarah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, We'll talk to you again soon. Uh, on deck with us right now is the one and only Judy Gold. Uh, oops, we just lost her as I was mentioning her. Uh, so many... Um, Comedians getting in touch with us today. We've heard from uh, started with Bonnie McFarlane and then Lisa Lampanelli, Tammy Pescatelli, uh, Max Alexander gave us a call. Amy Schumer was so incredibly sweet, uh, one after the other. Uh, and now, uh, coming up next. Um, Judy Gold as we talk and this this would have been the only thing that would have made uh, I think Joan cringe a little bit but honor and talk about the career of Joan Rivers because she was never very comfortable uh, being called a, a legend and, or an icon and not because um, 
she was humble. She just didn't like the idea of thinking about her career in the past. She was always about the next thing. Um, we've got Judy Gold ready to talk to us now. And still having a little bit of phone trouble. I'm trying to get to her. Okay. So we got her now? Yeah, we have, Yes, we have her now. Judy, you're on the air. Hey, how are you? Thank you so much uh, for talking with us today about Joan Rivers. You're welcome. Um, I, I was going over this with a couple other people. Most of us don't remember, you know, when we first knew about Joan. Um, I don't. I don't even remember. Ne- I don't remember not knowing about Joan. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it was Sullivan. It was the old Carson uh, Tonight Show. Right. Um, and at any point for you, I mean, you know, doing comedy, and, and I don't ever remember Joan going out of her way to, to talk to other women about stand-up or, you know, it wasn't like Joan Rivers salutes the young comedians. I always That's felt like... A, I don't... I couldn't disagree more because... Yeah. As a person, you know, when I first met Joan, yeah. um, it was on a, it was after Edgar, and you know, remember she had a lot of financial issues. And she had a show on, uh, I think it was WNYC, some shopping show, like uh, daytime. Yeah. And I went on, and um, I had, you know, she was so she was always, you know, they say about Bill Clinton when he looks at you, right. it's like you're the only person in the room. That's the way she was. And, and she asked me about my life. She never wanted to talk about herself. And uh, I remember uh, my son was just born and I said to her, you know, Joan, I don't know what to do because every time I get home late night from a gig, like midnight or one or whatever, my son wakes up and it's screwing up his, his sleeping patterns and... You know, he's tired, and, and uh, my partner's like, you can't do that. And, and um, we eat, you know, sometimes we'll have a snack. In the middle. And she said, Judy, don't you ever worry about what time it is when you're with your child. So he'll be tired. He got to spend time with you. It's not about the time of day. It's mm-hmm. about that you spent time with your child. And you have a crazy life, and they will adjust to your crazy life. But, you know, it's just about that, that love. And, you know, she was always like that. And I, in July, I was with her in July, and um, my mother's really ill. And uh, I said, Joan, you know, my mother's going to die soon. And I, you know, it's just, I don't know what to do. And she said, you know, Judy, it's like, I remember, it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter how old your mother is, but... It's it's a hard one, no matter what. If you're expecting it, if you're not expecting it, and it's you know, she said it changed me, and it it you know it it's just really you're going to be a different person, no doubt about it. And I thought, I swear, I was sitting there and I thought, you know, oh God, what if she goes? I'll I don't even know what I'll do, you know, because she. My mother's 92, but she could be 81, you know. She had me very late. And it was always like these really important times in my life. I would be with her, and she would say something so wise. Um, 
and she wouldn't hear it. Like when I said, I, we did some show together, she was doing the live taping. I don't know if it was The View or whatever, and I was doing an uh, afternoon show that was going to air the next day. And I said, Joan, do you have any idea, any idea what you've done for us? Oh, baloney. Ah, yeah. What, what did I do? I did nothing. You know, like, it was... It was, I, I just, I can't, how this misfit, she was a misfit who didn't like the way she looked, and she became a huge star, and she never gave up. I mean, she broke down barriers, because she talked about everything she thought. There was nothing that wasn't jokeable, and... She never gave up. And I, you know, people say, oh, she, it's because of Joan that I became a stand up or, mm. you know, but it's because of Joan that I never gave up. It, um, uh, that is the interesting, you know, thing about her life that if things were going well in her life, she took those gigs. If things were not going well, she had no trouble taking. The other gigs. She were she was yeah. a true, true stand up comedian. Mm. She it was about getting on stage. It didn't matter where the stage was, it just mattered that there were people sitting there and she was doing her jokes and she wrote every day and her jokes were flawless. They were flawless no matter what you if you agreed or didn't agree right. with her politics or her take on you know, dead celebrities or sick celebrities, you know, they were flawless. And the thing is, is that you all, I mean, I knew that she would, she had the first laugh and she had the last laugh. You never got, you never got ahead, you know, ahead of her mm. where she didn't say what you were thinking or didn't feel it was appropriate to say. I mean, you couldn't say anything about her that she didn't say about herself already. Um, thank you, and I love hearing those stories, too, Judy. She's amazing. And you know what? One final thing is, you know, I feel like the only real insecurity she has, had, I'm sorry, yeah. was her looks, the way she looked. And it, if she had had no plastic surgery, like, we wouldn't have cared right. at all. That was her issue, you know, and she knew it. But she, uh, I just, I can't, I'm, I'm speechless. I just, and she didn't just help women. She helped every single comic. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you wanted to be funny, um, she was a, a great, great example for that. Thank you so much, Judy. Oh, Appreciate you sharing those stories. Me. Yeah. And keep laughing. Take care. Uh, we need to break here, but uh, so many folks have touched in with us. Also, we're going to be playing some of the interviews later tonight. We'll be right back. It's the Ron and Fez Show. Hello! Where did everybody go? Dog. So you're, you're a comic, right? Okay. Uh, come on. Comedy Australia with Olivia. Olivia Newton-John never met this bitch in my life. Calls me up. Hello, Joan. It's Olivia. 
I thought it was Olivia de Havilland. I got so excited. I love old movies. I loved you so much in Gone with the Wind. No, it's Olivia Newton-John. How would you like to walk the Great Wall of China with me for breast cancer? I think it's international paparazzi. Do you understand? In a fucking hot second, I'm there, bitch. And sure enough, international press, the first day, Olivia's there, I'm there, taking pictures, gonna walk the wall, and we're gonna do it in heels, ha ha ha, all great. Second day, the press goes, I'm going home to Beijing, this bitch wants to walk the wall. Are you fucking crazy? I wanna go to Beijing. Beijing is modern. They have all those great toilets. Have you ever been to Beijing? They have the toilets where you go to the bathroom and the, the bathroom and the, the toilet wipes you and washes. Uh, it's fabulous. You get up and and then I suddenly looked around this. There was a kid in there. And, uh, Would you give this note to Angelina Jolie? It was... So, this bitch wants to walk the Great Wall of China. Have you ever seen the Great Wall? It goes on and on and on. First of all, the Chinese build their walls like they drive. <laughs> and it goes on. The only three things you can see from, from, from the outer space. You can see the Great Wall of China. You can see uh, the, the Grand Canyon. You can see Oprah Winfrey's ass. Those are three, uh. There's the, the one and only Joan Rivers. Um, if you're just tuning in, uh, we lost Joan Rivers today. And honoring her by playing some of the material and hearing some stories of um, many, many people who admired her. We've been talking with Susie Essman, Bonnie McFarley, Tammy Pescadelli, Lisa Lampanelli, Amy Schumer, uh, Sarah Benincasa, uh, Judy Gold, and coming up next, in, in my opinion, one of the funniest women on the planet, Kathleen Madigan. Th- thank you so much for calling us today, Kathleen. Hi, guys. Yeah, uh, another crappy day and a crappy year for stand-ups that I put on I mean it's just I feel like I, I sit at my computer in the day and just get you know John Panette Robin Williams Tim Wilson and and you know I was telling my mom I said I know Joan was 81 but I think everybody's still surprised she died because she didn't seem 81 no you know I've looked up some other comedians like you know like Jackie Mason's 82 or something mm-hmm. around there, but Jackie Mason seems to me to be 82. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but he's just more old school. Joan was, you know, a, a new school, like knew more about what's going on than I did, like than I do. I mean, I just, she just was on top of it. Just go, go, go. This is just, just horrible. It's just been a real, very, very sad year. Very sad. It's, um, you know, I think this whole thing started when David Brenner um, passed away, too. It was like the first of that kind of generation. And I remember when David Brenner and Joan were the first comics that went out and toured together. Like, before that, you couldn't have back-to-back comedians. You know? Yeah, and you know, they used to... um when I was a really young comedian at the comedy stop at the Trop, uh, they Joan and David would do. I can remember seeing their giant names and just to, to me, we were just the comics, like me and my buddies, and they were like 
stars that I would never meet, you know, that I would never even like to see your name that big and all that. And it's just, yeah, I I forgot about David. And, you know, there, we all know in this business, there's, there's enough of the comedians that, that offstage either, you know, are just crappy people or they do mean things or whatever. And literally, Joan, Robin, David, like the sweet John Panette, I mean, just yeah. the sweetest souls offstage ever. I mean, Joan was caustic and all that, but every single charity thing. I just saw her in New York at... Um, you know, Lewis Black's friends uh, run and owned at the West Bank where the Laurie Beachman Theater is in the basement, and Joan mm-hmm. would come down, and it's a 120-seater. And she would come down whenever she was home in New York and do do a full set. Yeah. And I, I mean, you know, a 15-minute set that was current and on it. And, like, most 81-year-olds, I don't know if I would take my friends to see them. If, if I did, it would just be because, well, they're a legend. This is just because she's funny. Yeah. Yeah, she, you know, just, she she did an hour, you know, the night before she went into that coma. She just yeah, that was the theater, the Laurie yeah. Beachman Theater. That's Lou's, you know, me and Lou are up in the top of that bar. That's where we spend a lot of our time drinking. And uh-huh. the theater's in the basement. It's right. It's part of the same building, and it's the greatest little venue because it's 120 seats. It's right by Times Square, and you know, it's just it's really it's like upscale, mm-hmm. and it. Uh, yeah, I'd say I saw her there three months ago. I don't know, something like that. Um, it's just, it's just, it's sad because, you know, I don't know if 81, I'll be running around like that. I'm pretty content with just golfing and having some beers and being with my nieces and nephews when I'm off. I don't know that I'm as driven as she It was. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's within me. But when somebody is as driven as her, and in her documentary, she, you know, she, Joan's got plenty of money, and she saw a blank month, and she's like, what is this? Why doesn't somebody fill this? Well, to me, I said, oh, my God, her nightmare is my dream. Like, uh, I, she wants, you know, every moment filled. I, I don't. I mean, I like to do shows and all that, but I'm just not that driven. But I think her driving force is what made it seem like she can't die now. What, yeah. do, you, what do you mean she's 81? You know, you don't even think that it's just it's just been a, 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 a rough you know a, a rough year yeah it really has been um like you said that list of that list of names is just crazy just it, it it's too much talent to lose in any one year yeah too and, much and good people aside from like there, there's a few comics that tomorrow if somebody said they died i'd be like good riddance honestly <laughs> Because off stage they're terrible people, yeah. but these these this group, John, Robin, Joan, Tim, I mean, just great human beings. Forget stand up, forget it all. Just are you do are you helping other people if you have time? Yes, all of them, all of them. Are you do you donate an extra buck if you have it? Yes, all mm-hmm. of them. I mean, just it's it's just too bad to lose those people, and then on top of it, the fact that they were great stand ups is also. Uh, you know, just really, really a lot this year. Kathleen, thank you so much for giving us a call. I really, really appreciate it. Okay, thanks for playing all of her stuff. That's really, it's really awesome. All right, take care now. I'll talk to you all soon. Right, Bye. we'll see you. Okay. Uh, truly one of the funniest uh, people I've ever sat down with. I did an unmask with uh, Kathleen Madigan that... Um, 
just line after line was just shooting, shooting, shooting really, really quick. Really, really funny. Um, I want to see where we are in regards to playing some of those um, interviews that we did. I, I, I was going to say this is the first time that I met Joan Rivers, and we had asked... We had to ask a while before we got her to talk with us. At first, we just asked for the unmasked and um, no to that. The next time we asked no to that, no. And finally said, well, can you just come in and meet me? And, uh, you know, that happened. And then the next time she was incredibly friendly. And from there, she uh, agreed to do the unmasked. So it took two, you know, two different interviews and a bunch of times that she said no. But the thing is, Joan was somewhat guarded in the way of she was going to be open and kind uh, but if you were going to come at her it would have been a giant mistake you know what I mean like that she could take care of herself but I, I say this is the first time that I met Joan Rivers um, but really there was one time before and it was after I had moved to and I'll never forget this uh, New York City, and I'm on the Upper East Side, and Joan Rivers, and there's a bunch of people on the street corner, and Joan Rivers was coming across the street, and sometimes in New York, you ever see where they have those cables, uh, you know, big cables across the street uh, attaching one thing to the other, and she caught the back of her heel on it as she was walking, and I just put my arm up to kind of steady her, and she looks up, and she goes like this, Thank you so much. I appreciate it. They put these damn things. And she kind of whispered this thing. And it, it dawned on me, if she talked, everybody would turn around and see Joan Rivers, you know. And she knew how to make it like a real New Yorker, put on a pair of shades and go and do your shopping without making a big thing. But I, I always thought, well, that's so amazing, you know, that she knew enough that I can't do the Joan voice. Um and during this first interview, this is one of my favorite things that you come in and if you listen to this a little bit, you can hear her somewhat guarded at first. And at a certain point, she's just like, okay, I get where I'm at. This guy, um, he's going to be okay with me. And that was the start of us finally getting her on Unmasked. So this was uh, a couple of years ago. Um, probably two or three years ago. I it think. was uh, June 2010. Wow. Okay, so really four years ago, which is to let you know how long <laughs> it took yeah. to get these uh, the, to get her to do this unmasked. Uh, and we were just we had to have her, had to have her, and got to know her over the years, and and finally got the unmasked done. One of the real pleasures of my life is the chance to have gotten to know uh, Joan Rivers, and here is the first interview that we've ever done with her. She gets too hungry for dinner at eight. She likes the theater and never comes late. She never bothers with people she'd hate 
That's why the lady is a tramp. Joan Rivers is in studio with us, uh, and the new documentary is maybe some of the biggest reviews of your life, I guess. Yeah, amazing. Isn't it crazy? Amazing. From absolutely expected nothing from it. Yeah. I just did it because my friend's daughter, Ricky Stern, is a documentarian. She said, I'd like to follow you for a year. I said, sure, go ahead. You didn't have any kind of uh, worries about that? or uh, At this age, the only worries you have is whether or not your diaper's wet. <laughs> There's no worries about anything. <laughs> but, you know, you look at this, and I guess because it's film, it suddenly seems different from everything that you've ever done in your life. Well, again, I the deal was I don't want one of those stupid puff documentaries. Mm-hmm. If I wanted that, I would go to Biography Channel, which does wonderful, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, Christina Aguilera, she had a little trouble with drugs. Christina came back bigger than ever, that kind of thing, you know. So I said, no, it's got to be real. Yeah. And and she was a real documentarian. Yeah, there is something different about this than, like you said, the show business, the rise, the problem. Yeah. The, then, then it's the always back. drugs and yeah. marriages. Right. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> but the interesting thing, too, I think, to see for people to see... Uh, and it's kind of this beyond even show business is like American story. I think people think that once you make it in this country, everything's okay. Yeah. Well, everyone thinks that. And nobody thinks that maybe, gee, poor Gary Coleman didn't have money. Right. Or, yes, I met, I remember John Boy, mm-hmm, Richard sure. Thomas. And the first thing I thought of, how does he make a living now? And yeah. he's a wonderful actor. And he right. just was in a Broadway play. But you forget, you just think once they've done something, it's set for life. Yeah. And no one thinks. And the different thing about, about you than that type of thing is that you've acted, you've written, you've done stand up. Anything to keep going. Yeah. And it shows that in the in the film. It shows that you're ready to go out and do whatever. What You name it, I'll do it. Yeah. I think I even say in the film at one point, get me a polygrip commercial, I'll punch out my teeth. <laughs> I was so jealous of Florence Henderson did a false teeth commercial. <laughs> But have you ever had that experience in your life where you said, I did what I set out to do. This is great. No. You you just don't kind of take oh, that in. Never, never, never. Yeah. You never think uh, you've reached anywhere near, not in this business, where mm-hmm. you want to go. And anyone that does think they've reached a peak disappears so quickly. And you've seen that throughout your life, like people well, that were peers that were running, you know, neck and neck I with see, you. Uh, P- I, I, and I watched some of the new ones, the ones on Jersey Shore. Yeah. I know Snooki thinks she's got it made. <laughs> right. I think Snooki better <laughs> get those endorsements now. Yeah. And I don't mean her specifically. Right. You know, you, this is a business. You come and you go so quickly. Yeah. But it, so many great uh, comedians have, you know, flamed out over the years. No one was funnier than Richard Pryor. And then that well, that su- was drugs. Yeah, but that also, do you think that has to tie in with success as well? Like, I think uh, it all goes back to, I think the longer the struggle, the more se- the more secure you are when you get there that you understand. Mm-hmm. I got to work for this, right. and I had seven years getting started where it wasn't easy. Yeah, really tough seven years. Looking back now, I bore my daughter and grandson to death with the stories. Yeah, but. uh I think then when it hit, I understood how lucky I am. I think if it happens overnight, yeah. Richard happened at 18. Right. 
came to New York. Bill Cosby, and he kept his brains amazing. Mm -hmm. I used to say Bill suffered on the train from Philadelphia to New York. (laughs) He's a friend of mine. (laughs) First job, he was picked up. Well, there's certain people that are, they have that likable thing that let's bring that person into our living room and other people have to work at it a little more. I obviously was not likable <laughs> <laughs> and never happened because well, I'm still working at it. Well, that's one of the things that they always said about Rickles, uh, you know, that he to, to get that sitcom, it never worked out because people didn't feel completely comfortable with him. Yeah, they were nervous with him. And he's such a brilliant actor. It's, insa- so, it's insane how good he is. Yeah. You look at the movies he did and you yeah. guys just watch him in uh, what's what's the one they did with the mafia? Oh, uh, Casino. Casino. Yeah. He's. He's amazing. He's an amazing yeah. actor. And then you don't see him get another role after Doesn't that. That's the role. crazy thing about Hollywood, that you'll yeah. see somebody just nail something. Yeah, and then and they say, left. well, you're too well, uh, they, yeah. you're too much of a personality. Does that still bother you that maybe you have to show up in somebody's office and pitch no, after I, everything I, that you've done? I never think I'm not going to. Uh-huh. I never feel I've reached the point where uh, y- you don't have to go in and beg some asshole. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a job. I mean, that's just the, the nature of the business. And the amount of things that, you know, uh, and I, I've read your books and... Uh, Did you buy them or get them free? No, I, I bought them. Oh, I bought you. them. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, Did you see a, the movie free? <laughs> Did you buy it? That one I saw oh, free. Everybody's seen it free. Yeah. Is that going to be a person to pay in the box office when it opens this week? It's going to be, come to see the movie and bring a bowling ball. Well, uh, everyone's seen it. It's gotten great reviews. Yeah. They've all seen it for free. Well, the amazing thing, though, is that it's tough to get a documentary out there. I mean, the, the kind yeah. of heat that you have on this documentary it's is a, crazy. Uh, we were picked Time Magazine, one of the eight summer must-sees mm-hmm. of uh, Esquire. Summer gotta go see. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, we didn't expect it. And what I love about it, too, is not all the critics were necessarily fans of your stand-up. Most of them hate me. Yeah, they, well, I guess they, it's a highbrow, lowbrow. The, the stand-up comedy is always still going to have that Unless saloon thing. Unless truly you're ethnic. Mm-hmm. And then you're breaking ground. <laughs> and even that's now, you know, yeah. at its way. Uh, I'm also old hat to a lot. Right, sure. And it really annoys you because I go out there now and I I, uh, I lay it down. You know, I yeah. really think I'm working better than I ever worked in my whole life. And uh, they're always surprised. I always get great reviews and they always start with, I never liked Joan Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> Every review starts that way. I always thought she was a loud mouth comic. Yeah. But... Well, the great thing, too, like you said, you've never worked better in your life. You can see that in the writing. The writing is so natural to you right now. Yeah. um, That it's almost like you're not sitting there and working out. It's just boom, boom, boom. It's just a matter of capturing it. That's what it looks like. Yeah. I still sit there and suffer. You're an everyday writer. Oh, my darling. Yeah. I mean, I'm just doing... Today, I'm going around, obviously, pushing the movie and pushing two other things, uh, which I'll... I might as well say them yeah. right now. One is the Gramercy Theater Gay Pride. Mm-hmm. We have two shows, June 24th in New York. I'm begging you, if you're <laughs> gay, be there. And uh, How'd You Get So Rich, my other show, mm-hmm. which is finale, grand finale tonight on TV Land. It's the year's, year-end finale. Look at this. And they can't see because it's radio. I was like 20 pages of notes here, I wanted and, to say. And that's just stuff that you're jotting down as the day goes down, along. No sex appeal. 
Mm-hmm. Only time my husband ever threw me down the bed was I was blocking the TV. <laughs> Just in case you asked me about sex appeal. <laughs> I got my period so late when the hair came in under my arms, it was great. It's funny. That is a great joke. <laughs> it's a good joke. We'll get it in so, somewhere. Yeah, so, you, so you'll so you just, you'll be in the car or something? And, and, just, comes, and, and you write it down. It comes to you as a thought or you're in mid-conversation? You're with Both. your people, yeah. Or yeah. a friend will say something, you say, oh, can I have that? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh my God, that's great! Can I? Oh, let me have that. So, what do you you, you take something that's just said in conversation? You tweak it. You work on it. And yeah, yeah. It's all verbal with me. Yeah. All uh, I come out of Second City. Right. And that's improvisational theater. So I could sit with a piece of paper and nothing will come out for hours. But I'll talk right. to someone and it just comes out. And that's almost like you turn off the writing thing. You just let it kind of flow at yeah. that point, right? And you hope something fun. That's why uh, when I work in these little clubs, like the Gramercy Theater, yeah. holds 400 people. Right. You can just say anything. It's right. not 5,000 people. So, you know, when I go on stage, if I was going on tonight, which I'm not, it would be all about Helen Thomas and her big, ugly, stupid <laughs> lips. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a lot of vendettas that come out on, t- on and, and you're able to spin them quick. I know, uh, yeah. like, Carlin used to take his time. He wrote everything out. And agonized yeah. over every word, but everyone does it differently. Yeah. Yeah. And someone said you could set your clock by George Carlin's yeah. act. Yeah. And yet it was brilliant. Yeah. But it was, it's so interesting. I'm just the opposite. I have to put a clock on stage. I don't know. If I'm having a good time, I can't believe an hour and 25 minutes is right. gone. If I'm having a lousy time, I think, it's only 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been talking to these people only 10 minutes. But you, you'll you adjust everything's new where Carlin would go in, do his act, and people had to get... I, I w- yeah. was with him one time, and I saw, like, he was basically playing in front of the, the wrong audience for the material that he was doing. If you looked at him, you wouldn't know it because he didn't have any concerns. It was just like seeing a play. He was just going through it, and then finally they caught up to him. I can't imagine no. you letting 10 minutes go by. No, I have a very good friend. I'm not going to say who because he's a major comedian. And he says, I go out there. If they don't like me in the first five minutes, yeah. I go on to automatic. Yeah. And I just keep saying, okay, you don't like that? Let's talk about this. Yeah. You don't like that? How about this? Anybody want to do dead babies? <laughs> Come on. What do you want to talk about here? Let's go. Uh, no, I try to the end. I punch to the end yeah, to find something we're going to communicate about. And, and with this uh, that you're doing at the Gramercy uh, Theater saying uh, gay people on, on June 24th, yeah. two shows, gay people, I beg you. Uh, but that's <laughs> never been a problem for you, right? Gay people have they always. Love, I love them. Um, do you know why that appeal happens? Do you know? Probably because I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There's that's- your answer. <laughs> Now, I, they, uh, first ones, I was down in Greenwich Village, and nobody was laughing at me, and you would see pockets mm. of tables of yeah. gay men that would get, I think they just look for the more outrageous, they look for the yeah. stronger woman, you know, it, it's, they love me, they love Beth, they love Liza, Yeah, they like a strong woman. Uh, 
and they'll pull for you. They actually they do pull for you, like when things aren't going so well. And they they love it when things aren't going well <laughs> because we should all suffer together. Oh, when Liza gets fat, we all cry. When Liza gets thin, we're all happy. We're happy when she's off the sauce. Yeah, the whole group celebrates. <laughs> it's a drama. Life it's is a, a drama. drama. It really is. Yeah, and I I live by that drama. Yeah. Well, that is uh, back to you to your. Uh, movie or documentary is that it is your regular life it's like watching uh soap opera sometimes <laughs> yeah you know? well, melissa always says that she yeah. says i i always say when i have new assistants come in i say i can't tell you it's gonna be a great job you will never be bored and i had one assistant who i adored matt who left after seven years and he reminded me he said and he went to another job he said one thing you were right i was there was not a day he said mm. that i wasn't bored something didn't happen because you keep moving like a shark. You're yeah. swimming like a shark all the time. Early on was the same way. Like you said, you started uh, at Second City. Back when I think Second City was just... Second City was just starting. Yeah. It was an amazing group. It was Alan Arkin. It was me. It was Del Close. It was uh, uh, Tony Holland who died. Uh, Mike Nichols used to come in and direct. Wow. It was it was a great little group. And um, you, you... But I never wanted to stay at Second City. No. I wanted to do sing. So I would do Second City, and I would go later after that and go off and do my own act. Yeah. And, you know, when I was, I said I'd read your books, there, there is times that you're just, as you're reading, you're thinking, well, she should quit. This is <laughs> one bad gig after another. It Last seems week. like a, a normal person would say, I'm not going to put myself through this. Yeah, but you know in this business, I, I, I don't know your career. Mm -hmm. I can assure you, I, just knowing you, yeah. you've had plenty of ups and downs. Ups and downs. Yeah. Ups and downs. Everybody has it in this business, and uh, you just have, if you want the business, that's the business. That's the business. And I, I, there's one scene in the documentary where I'm saying to my daughter, what do I say? I'm encouraging you to be not enthusiastic or something. Mm -hmm. And she says, I'm in it 10 years, and she's doing great. She's on uh, the new Access Hollywood. She's on E, it was her own pilot. She's, she's doing right. just wonderfully away from me, plus with me. We're doing a new television show together. And, uh, and yet I say to Melissa, go back to law school. Yeah. Do something else because it sucks. And nobody, you can't trust, nobody, you can't trust anybody because you don't know if your producer is going to be here next week that right. likes you. It's a tough business, but it's also a great business. And then the lucky thing too, uh, because really with your kids, I think luck plays into it. You give whatever you can, but she's such a centered person, right? I mean, Melissa, she, yeah. She, yeah. But that's, uh, it has to be from her father because I drank yeah. all through the job. <laughs> I drank, I, was, I drank, I whored, I was never <laughs> But you know, um, and some of, she had to overcome things. Uh, some of this, uh, you know, you talk about Edgar Rosenberg a little bit. My and, husband, yeah. yeah. And uh, he was always, to me, such an interesting guy because he didn't seem very show business. He, he, he almost wasn't. seemed like a man out of time to me. He, just, he was very much an English gentleman. He'd yeah. gone to rugby and to Cambridge. Right. Very smart. I mean, really smart. Funny, obviously got it. He was mm -hmm. And uh, didn't know how to deal with the people in California. Totally should have stayed in New York. Right. He was brilliant in New York. He produced movies in New York. He did movies for the United Nations in New York. He worked at NBC when NBC was, you know, the news network. Yeah. That was perfect for Edgar. And then in 1971, we moved to California, and he never, he never looked like a Californian. Right. He just didn't know how to fit in with these guys.
Well, it's interesting, too, because New York has a reputation for a tough town and all, but it's a different kind it's of... It's much more tough. civilized. Yeah. it's you. People say exactly, you're an asshole, or I don't like you. No one ever says that in L.A. They just... They just, just kill you. Yeah, they, they smile, do. they play golf with you, Yeah, and then you go home that night and you realize your show's been canceled. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a different... But you always know where you stand in L.A. more than New York by going to a restaurant. Really? Because you know exactly which table they give you. <laughs> you know exactly where you sit. You don't want to say, how are my ratings? That Maitre D knows how your ratings are. <laughs> you go, oh, shit. I guess last night didn't work because I'm sitting here in the wrong part of this restaurant. <laughs> and you feel it. It's almost like immediately, a temperature immediately, change. Immediately. Yeah. Immediately. It's very interesting. You know, and you'll be signing an autograph. It'll be whipped out of your hand. Mm-hmm. So you find you writing the rest of rivers on your your own palm. <laughs> Somebody bigger came along. They they just they called. They took the, the paper. <laughs> they got Joan Ruh. <laughs> and then they saw Christina Aguilera, and they're gone. <laughs> well, when well, when you did your show on Fox, the the talk show, when you went up yeah. against Carson, at the time that it happened, biggest story in yeah. America at the yeah. time. Yeah, and. Uh, when you look back on it, it seems crazy that they didn't stick with it. I mean, oh, you guys have you know, the harder we work, the nicer the things we get. But it is a gritty lifestyle. It was personal. Was Edgar went up against Barry Dilla and Rupert Murdoch, who then owned Fox, uh-huh. and they didn't like Edgar, and Edgar didn't like them. And at one point, Barry said to me, before we even went on the air, mm-hmm. he said to me, "Tell your husband the tail doesn't wag the dog." Right. It was over before we stepped on the first show, first live show. And it was because he wasn't part of that boys club. He didn't, wasn't part of the boys yeah. club. Didn't know how to be part of the boys club. Yeah. Didn't get, schmooze. What's so terrible? You're right, you're right, you're right. And then mm-hmm. you go out and do what you want. He fought with them about everything. And he wasn't wrong. Right. But you, they wanted to put her, literally Hershey kisses in the gift bags. And he said, <laughs> no, let's put in M&M's. Who cares? Right. Let them win the Hershey victory. You know, <laughs> what does it matter? But he was such a stickler. You know, he was so that rigid yeah. English. What was right? And we can get a better deal on M and M's. You know, what, yeah. I mean, things that were just madness. They were fighting over decorating offices. Barry wanted to give me an office, and they were very angry because I didn't come down and look at it. They were decorating my office, and I said. I don't care. I'm worried about the show. Right. Well, she's never come in to see how we did her offices and her dressing rooms. And furious with me. I mean, you spent your whole life up to that point being in a different dressing room and every every night of your life. What's I'm the glad difference? That the, the toilet has this flat. <laughs> you know, because the, the way they do them in, in most uh, dressing rooms, you don't have a cover on the toilet. I know it's less sanitary. Yeah. With, a cu- with the cover. Yeah, with the I cover. So I was glad that I had a toilet that had a, a lid to it. <laughs> I was happy. <laughs> and your own air product was really strong. People were talking about it. You had yeah. people. I remember Elton John did the opening things. Yes. David Lee Roth at the peak. Cher, I mean, Lily Cher, It was amazing. Yeah. And to be able to do that against Car- Carson, they still struggle uh, trying to you know, yeah. go against the Tonight Show to this day. To this day. Yeah. But it was, it was what it was. And uh, my life went into a terrible t- tailspin. But maybe... I know, a little Pollyanna, but maybe it's good because you have to go through life. Life is a journey. Right. And maybe that was a <laughs> shitty journey I had to take. 
I don't know. I like when you don't even believe the good things that you said to yourself. Oh, it's all good. Uh, yeah, it was a terrible time. <laughs> it was a horrible time. Uh, Joan Rivers, peaceofwork.com. This documentary must be seen by oh, everybody that, that loves Joan and, and loves show business. And it's just a, a great American story. And of course... Uh, how'd you get so rich? Yeah, how'd you get so the finale, rich? finale, the grand finale for this season is on tonight, Wednesday at 10 o'clock on TV Land. And, uh, they gave me six shitty shows. <laughs> Second year, gave them great ratings, and they said, thank you, here's some more six shows. Thank you. I can wear the same dress. And the Gramercy Theater in New York City, June 24th, you'll get to see the stand-up. Attention gaze. Attention, Attention gaze. Get out there. Thank you so much, A Joe. pleasure talking with you. <laughs> This is from uh, that little piece of music there, if you want to listen to it, is from Joan Rivers' documentary, A Piece of Work. Uh, that was the first time Joan Rivers ever uh, sat down and talked with me. And you could, um, as I was listening to the end of that, it, it kind of struck me a little bit because you could hear just how happy I was. I hate to be caught. I hate to be that transparent, but um, I wanted that exact experience. I wanted her to be exactly as she was. You know, yeah. I wanted her to be as funny and as rough and throwing the elbows and the whole thing, and you know, six city city sh <laughs> shows. I mean, it's just amazing to me. It's just amazing to me. Um, and, and sometimes, like working this job, I have to uh, go back and and you know remind myself that that knowing Joan Rivers would have just been a, a mind blow to me when I was a kid. Um, let's play uh, some more of her stand up as we continue to honor Joan uh, for a life. Um, just so well lived. She's class and humor and overcoming things. It's just amazing to think about some of this stuff. So this is some of the stand-up of the one and only Joan Rivers. I don't know if you're aware of it, but do you know that skirts are going up, which is great if you're tall and thin. But if you're short and squat like me, you can just forget it. You know that. They're going up. Do you know they're going up now 10 inches above the knee? Did you read that? 10 inches above the knee? What if you're short? What if you don't have 10 inches? What are you supposed to do? You know whose fault it is? It's Twiggy's fault. You know that. Did you see, did you see our measurements? 31? Did, and she has a broad back. Did you see that? 31, 22, 32. 31! What about all those years I stood around gym class going like that? That doesn't count. And my, hus my husband, Edgar, thinks she's attractive. That's what kills me. He said, take a look at Twiggy's legs. Are they something? You bet they're something. Like two sticks. Did you ever see legs like that? Oh, Twiggy, get me an olive. I can't believe it. 
the way the styles are today, I'm glad I'm married, because if I was single, I could never get married looking like this, you know? And I feel sorry for any single girl today. The styles and the whole society is not the single girls, you know that. Single men, yes. A man, he's single, he's so lucky. A boy on a date, all he has to be is clean and able to pick up the check. He's a winner. You know that. Or a, a, man, a man can call up anybody in the whole world. Do you know that? Hello, I saw your name in the locker room. I thought I'd give you a quick call. Excuse me. A girl, a girl can't call. Girl, you have to wait for the phone to ring, right? And when you, when you finally go on the date, the girl has to be well-dressed. The face has to look nice. The hair has to be in shape. The, the girl has to be the one that's bright and pretty, intelligent, a, a good sport. Howard Johnson's again, hooray, hooray. Excuse me. A girl, a girl, you're 30 years old, you're not married, you're an old maid. A man, he's 90 years old, he's not married, he's a catch. It's a whole different thing. Along, bring him along. He's 98. Bring him, bring him. He's dead. Bring him. We'll prop him. Just bring him. We'll say he's quiet. I know what I'm speaking about because my mother had two of us at home that weren't, as the expression goes, moving. And I don't ask. And I, I'm from a little town called Larchmont where if you're not married, if you're a girl and you're over 21, you're better off dead. It's that simple, you know? And I was the last girl in Larchmont. Do you know how that feels? Sitting around my mother's house, 21, 22, 24, having a good time, living, eating candy bars, enjoying myself, but single. And the neighbors would come over and they'd say to my mother, How's Jones? Still not married? <laughs> and my mother would say, If she were alive. You know how that hurts? When you're sitting right there? When I was 21, my mother said, Only a doctor for you. When I was 22, she said, All right, a lawyer, CPA. 24, she said, Well, grab a dentist. 26, she said, Anything. If he could make it to the door, he was mine, you know? What do you mean you don't like him? He's intelligent, he found the bell himself. What do you want? <laughs> Anybody that came to my house was it. Oh, Joan, there's the most attractive young man down here with a mask and a gun. Anything that showed up. It's true. That's what my husband. Yes. Yes. Listen, you want to hear something really sad? My father's a doctor and he figured if they educate the lump, She'll get married, you know. And for a, my father's a very bright man, a lot smarter than a lot of these guys that run around with degrees. And if you think, through the heart, if you, if you think it's easy for a doctor to get the money together for a college education, do you know how hard my father had to work? Do, do you know how many phony operations he had to perform? Do, do you think it's easy to convince a 92-year-old man he needs his tonsils out? They educated me. Do you think education helps? Not at all. Education didn't help me find a husband, and once I found him, it's not helping my marriage. I went to Barnard College. I have a BA in philosophy. Do you think that helps me? Do you think that helps me philosophy so I can go to the butcher, prove the meat doesn't exist? It doesn't help me. Do you think that helps calculus? Calculus. I had to have a tutor for calculus so I can walk into a room, figure out the length. You know how you figure out the length of a room? It's seven inches longer than your vacuum cleaner cord. That's how long a room is.
women and they then they, they say to us, go get married. It's a lot of hugging and kissing. It's a lot of cleaning. Yes, cleaning. You hear that, balcony? I, I keep a nice house. You'll come over afterwards. You'll see. Believe me, it's lovely. You know, very neat. I, I tie rags to my legs. I run around dusty. But um, I, I hate housework. It's futile. You, you dust, you make the bed. Two weeks later, you got to start again. You know, it's never Cooking? Cooking? You think it's fun to cook? What if you can't cook? They never taught me to cook in college. They said your mother will teach you. What if your mother's a lousy cook, huh? I was brought up on radio dinners. What am I supposed to do? And my, my husband, Edgar, is selfish. He demands a hot meal once a week. You think that's easy? You think it's easy to make a hot meal without getting out of bed? Oh, no, believe me. Why me? Why, why do women have to cook, huh? Why us? If the Lord wanted us to cook, he'd give us aluminum hands? Why us? Show me in the scriptures where it says women cook. Show, show me where it says in Bathsheba went forth and basted. Then I'll do it. Jewish, great with chicken soup. Chicken soup, chicken soup, it runs in their jeans, you know? Yes, yes, also the recipe's in the front of our prayer book. But, um, or the back if you're conservative. But it's just not so. However, I have two recipes I'd like to leave you with tonight, which I have found to be delicious. One, TV dinners. Has anyone tried those? Very, very tasty, now that I've learned to warm them up. Mm, really rich. And the second is chocolate cake, which I always keep around the house because it doesn't show the dirt. Just perfect. <laughs> that is uh, Joan Rivers. Early on in her career, uh, we've been honoring Joan Rivers since we uh, found out that she did not come out of her coma today. Joan Rivers passing away at the age of 81. Uh, we can say today with Joan would not. I don't know what was going off there. That's something that fired out of the other room. Okay. Um, I know we got a bunch of people running over trying to grab numbers and stuff in the other room. Shelby, you okay in there, buddy? Shelby. Don't give me the thumb. Give me the, are you okay? Yeah, we're good here. We're getting in touch with... Shooting lasers off and stuff like that? or He's a, he's a little bit in a panic over there. He's in that hot well, seat. Yeah. I guess that's where the hot seat would be. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Um, but did you see where the users tried to give you the big thumb up without, without mentioning it himself? Uh, we have been hearing from so many comedians today. Also playing some of the uh, great material of Joan Rivers. And it's really weird when you go back and hearing, you, you know, at one, there was a point of her career that she seemed like, I don't know, almost like the glamorous, edgy comic. Other point, she sounds like she's a dead-end kid, you know, she yeah. just keeps, you know, coming at it. It's almost like you could picture her in black and white in those days. And, of course, uh, the Joan Rivers that we've known for the last couple of years who 
wandered around the red carpets like she was, you know, Troy Palomano. You know what I mean? Like she <laughs> was, um, she was aggressive. She was bold. She was strong. And it's uh, it's tough to think of the world of comedy or the world itself without her. We've just known her for so many years, and we've been hearing from so many people about her today. Uh, we have Elijah Schlesinger on the phone. Uh, she's the winner of the sixth season of Last Comic Standing. Eliza, thank you so much for calling us tonight. Hi, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, it is a, uh, you know, it's a very strange thing to lose Joan Rivers. Um, she's been around so long. She's been around 200 years. So, you know, she was there when comedy started. It, it, um, it, it actually did seem that way, didn't it? You know, it's, it's so, you know, we, it's, we lose a lot of people in entertainment and different people touch us in different ways. And I had actually never even met her. I attended the roast, but I... I didn't write on it or anything. And, you know, because the pool of female comedians that matter is so small, she has touched every single female comedian's life, whether they acknowledge it or know it uh, at all. Um, and, you know, here's a woman who, till the very end, you just say live life to its fullest, sounds so cliche. But when I watched a piece of work, I remember tearing up. And I tweeted about this because I, I felt like I wasn't so alone in, like, my endless pursuit of, never wanting to stop working and the fact that she felt the way I felt in a totally different generation, a totally different time just speaks to this like uh, sort of bond that transcends time and space for comedians, you know, that need to perform that desire to want to work that need to like never stop. And so I think that's a really cool thing. And that's, and I, that's how she touched me, I guess, you know, and, the, and you know, it's one of those things that sometimes People, you know, say things that move other people to do things, but sometimes just that living example is yeah. all you need, you know, all she, you need to be out there. She was totally, I mean, especially, it's a lesson for comedians in general, but especially women, you know, she was so authentic and so herself and so did it her way to the very end, you know, whether it was her material or the way she lived her life or her plastic surgery or her unabashed, relentless love for her daughter, which I always admired because I had a, a single mom growing up. You know, everything she did was for her daughter, and that was always touching to me. Um, and never, She was never silenced, never censored. She never let anyone tell her what to do. And she lived her life literally right down to the last couple of days. This is someone that was out of the spotlight and a comic from, like, vaudeville that we forgot, and, like, up until the last minute working. Um, and I think what's also interesting is even in her legacy, even in the things that I saw on Twitter and Instagram today, not making fun of her, but people are like the jokes are at her, like are on her, like the jokes are about her age and they're, they're in their uh, screen grabs of her jokes and people are poking fun and almost roasting her even in, uh, in her death. And I think that's a tribute to the kind of performer she was and she would want that. They like never stop laughing, never stop making fun of yourself and others. Um, and I think that's unique. You know, when Robin Williams passed away, there was nothing funny to be said about it. Yeah. And I think if Joan Rivers were to be at her own funeral, she'd be like, what's everyone so upset about? Why well, the long face? Get it, get it lifted. <laughs> you know, we're playing some of her stand-up here, and most of it seems too inappropriate to play for when someone just passed away. And but it's her own material. So and yeah. many, much of this stuff is fairly new as well, you know? 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, she's an icon, and you know, you never fully appreciate people. I think she had like a real resurgence in the last couple of years, um, and a new generation of comics got to know Joan Rivers, and especially being on E and doing the roast and all those things. It's always cool when a younger generation gets to see why somebody means so much uh, throughout time, and she. She's just one of a kind. Um, whether you liked herself or not, you had to admire the balls on that lady. And uh, it's a real comedy. Took a real hit today. And the one thing I will say from from a piece of work, I will never forget. So it's a specific scene where she's looking through her calendar, mm-hmm. and she's just it's full. But she's like, you know, I'm paraphrasing when she's like, I can never work enough. It's never enough. And like that's the one thing I took away from it. And I totally feel like a lot of comics, at least the successful ones and the ones I respect and the ones I model myself that you can never do enough and you can never stop. And she had her hands in many pies and was funny in everything that she did. And like, that's the kind of performer I want to be, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's something about that thing to have the beautiful, you know, apartment in the Upper East Side and then head on out in Minnesota in the snow to do the Indian casino. You know what I mean? People don't get it. They don't get, you know, you work for everything that you have and you work very hard and you know, comics, the harder we work, the nicer the things we get, but it is a gritty lifestyle. Even if you can take a private jet there, like I'm at the Burbank airport right now. Mm-hmm. I've got like all these, like I'm at the Burbank airport in a tank top with my dog in a bag flying <laughs> to Northern California on Southwest. It's a very different image from like a polished girl you see on the tonight show, but this is what we do. And that's the reality of being a road comic, which she was through and through and it's not a graceful lifestyle but she did it just as well as any guy thank you so much for being on here with us Thanks today for having me yeah i'll see you guys next time see you next time bye all right bye the list of comedians that we've had on today Susie essman bonnie mcfarland tammy pescadelli lisa lampanelli amy schumer sarah benicasa judy gold kathleen madigan Liza Schlesinger, um, Max Alexander, um, people just calling in because, you know, Joan had met so much to the matter um, during their life. And playing some of Joan's stand-up today is so surreal and amazing because if you hear some of the stuff that she was doing today... It was edgier than the stuff that she was doing in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. I can't think of of anyone else who didn't at least somewhat rest on their laurels. And I don't think you could have ever accused Joan Rivers of that. Um, here's another edgy comic, uh, Mr. Jeffrey Ross. Uh, and we're going to have him uh, on next to talk to us about the one and only... Joan Rivers. Jeffrey, thanks so much for calling, buddy. Yeah, no problem. Um, Bad day. Yeah, it's an incredibly, incredibly uh, rough day today. Even though she was just 81, uh, it seemed like we were going to have her for decades. It's amazing. I mean, what other comedian stayed relevant into her 80s? It's very, very rare. And it's devastating. She's our comedy mom. Mm. I feel like she has a thousand kids. Sounds like a hundred of them have called you today. And, you know, we want to, uh, this is just a terrible way to go. You know, I, I don't want to, 
pontificate, but when a comic of her importance has an obligation to her fans to keep her voice in working order, to keep her instrument fine-tuned, so the fact that she's gone because of a routine operation is just its unspeakable. It's just so sad. Yeah, I i couldn't believe it when I first heard the story. And then even as she went into the coma, there was a, a big part of me who thought she's coming out of this, you know. At no point did I really think to myself, we're going to end up losing her here. I just no, it's mind-boggling. She's yeah. so full of life and so full of energy and spit and vinegar, as they say. So, you know, it's just uh, this one's a tough one to swallow. Well, you know, you're you're the perfect person to talk to about this because, you know, you've always done edgy material. Joan has got fifty years of that type of uh, of really edgy out there material. Um. At some point, people think that that's the way, you know, Joan would be all the time. I knew her as incredibly sweet and incredibly um, thoughtful person. But could you give us uh, just a little bit of why is it important for Joan to have gone out on the edge like that all the time? What what do we benefit from it? Well, Joan... As the best comedian, she would shine light on the darkest corners of society. And that is the most important thing a comedian can do, in my opinion. She would not just cross the line, she defined the line. And, you know, comedians, we're, we're the truth tellers, we're the honest ones in society. And she really exemplified that. So this is a real... A real too soon moment for me. Yeah. How far do you go back with her, Jeffrey? Oh, my goodness. Well, I roasted her years ago mm -hmm. on Comedy Central. That was a real career highlight for me. And I can't even remember when I met her because I was so nervous just seeing her um, at various events. But it was only in the last maybe five or six years that we began... Uh, knowing each other and working together just as recently as um january we did a show on stage together as a duo so um we had a real nice rapport and chemistry and uh, yeah i'm gonna remember that as a highlight of my uh, life howard stern sent me a picture of it um of me and joan on stage together i was really i really which i really cherish and has already been hanging in my office for months, so uh, now I'll look at it with a real, I guess a sadness, but also a real special affection. I mean, this was, this was dynamite. She was canned dynamite. Well, what a thing for you, too, to have been, you know, to work your way up to that point where you could share a stage with somebody that I'm sure you watched on TV when you were a kid. Oh, I loved her. She always cracked me up. Can we talk? Mm -hmm. And... You know, she went there. She said the things that we only think uh, as human beings. And um, she always just brought a lot of laughs. And, man, this is like, this is a real tough one, guys. Um, I just want to, you know, let people know how professional she was, how classy she was. And 
um, how much she meant to the comedians. Jeffrey Ross, thank you so much for being on the air with us today, my friend. All right. Thanks for talking about Joan today. Uh, I know it wasn't easy for you, and, but I'm really glad that people got the chance to hear um, some of these stories. I appreciate it. Of course. Um, thank you. Hearing from so many people about um, the one and only uh, Joan Rivers and uh, Heather McDonald is on hold with us right now. Uh, you've known her from her um, Chelsea Lately appearances. And Heather, thank you so much for checking in with us today. Oh, thanks so much for letting me call in. It's a very sad day and sad week when it all you know started to go down and it didn't look like she'd come out of it. I think everybody's been really, you know, really upset about it and but, you know, just also just appreciating what an incredible woman, mother, grandmother, friend, colleague that she was and always just so encouraging to everyone and especially female comics. I, I only spent a little bit of time with her on a few occasions doing like e-press. Mm-hmm. She would like go out of her way to say that my dress was great or, you know, and I'd always introduce myself as if she didn't know me. She's like, I know who you are, you know, like, and, and, you know, you're great. And just, she just was so complimentary. And, um, I was supposed to be seated next to her at a baby shower over the weekend. And we were talking about her at the table, missing her. And this other, um, this other woman who's very good friends with Melissa said, you know, I, um, I'm a jewelry designer, and I had lunch with Joan and Melissa recently, and I was telling Joan, I can't believe this amazing thing happened with my business. And Joan said to her, why would you be amazed? Why would you be surprised? Look at you. You're talented. You're gorgeous. You're smart. Why shouldn't fantastic things happen to you? And that's just so her and the way she encouraged everybody in whatever business or whatever they were, you know, going through. And she's just very motherly to everyone around her, and you constantly will hear that. And, um... You know, her her jokes were, were edgy and somewhat mean, I guess you could say, but she so wasn't mean at all. And so, um, and I think that's why everyone still loved her, no matter what she said about her, about them. You know, she would say these awful things about their outfits on Fashion Police, and the next week they'd be sitting next to her on the couch co-hosting. Sure. And she'd be like, please come to Christmas dinner. Would you please come <laughs> to dinner, you know? I don't know if she has a Christmas, I think she has a Christmas dinner, even though she's Jewish, because I know some of my friends have gone. So, um you know, she would, and then sometimes she would, if she, if somebody wasn't, you know, receptive to her invitation, she'd be so surprised. And my, my friend who was a producer on the show was like, well, you did say that thing about her skirt the other day. And she's like, oh, come on. Like, who cares? You know, and people would all get over it, you know, and because she did it to everybody and it was so ridiculous that you never took it to heart. And so, um, I think it's a great way for comedians to work when they are doing jokes about celebrities. How can I do it in a way that really is, so ridiculous that you know that it won't hurt someone's feelings too deeply and they'll move on and we can still be friends at a cocktail party uh heather thank you so much for checking in with us today thank you i really really appreciate it take care now bye um it is the ron and fez show on the east coast it's about 10 minutes to six o'clock at about three o'clock we learned that uh joan rivers uh had passed away. I don't think we've taken a break in a while here, have we, Chris? Do we need to catch up with that? So let's catch up. Uh, we're going to stay in with here uh, here as we honor Joan Rivers. Um, 
a friend of the show, somebody that we were all just really crazy about. And when you can hear from some of these, you know, uh, different people, like to hear from Jeffrey Ross, who uh, we all know him as... You know, the Roastmaster. But to hear him so crushed today, but still saying thank you for playing her material, and it's just really, really touching. And it's the funny thing about stand-up comedy is um, it touches in different places other than just laughter. Uh, it's amazing to hear from some of these folks today. Um, and we'll be talking to more, as well as playing some of the interviews we've done with Joan. And... Um, and Unmasked coming up later, as well as a lot more comedy with Joan Rivers. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Raw Dog. What is going on here? I'm not trying to be dirty. That's the title of my autobiography. I can't believe you made it. Comedy hits. But here's a young lady who uh, I can think got her first national exposure on my show, who not only writes funny, she is funny herself. Would you welcome, please, Joan Rivers. Sirius XM remembers the legendary comedian, actor, and television host, Joan Rivers. She's passed away at the age of 81. You think you're any older? I don't feel any older. I feel great. Yeah, you know when I feel older? When you buy a bikini. Man. <gasps> or when the body is falling and you're wearing a bikini, you go waiting and the top gets wet first. You go, oh, <laughs> Joan Rivers was a pioneering female comic, known for her signature style and biting wit targeted at celebrities, and of course, herself. I mean, I'm not even attractive in Russia. <laughs> she began her career playing Greenwich Village comedy clubs, like The Bitter End and The Gaslight Cafe in the early 1960s. In 1965, Joan had her first of many memorable appearances on The Tonight Show. Well, when I first got married, I never cooked when I was single, because I figured I, if the Lord wanted a woman to cook, he'd give her aluminum hands. <laughs> became one of Johnny Carson's favorite and most frequent guests, and even went on to guest host the show. Joan Rivers was the author of 12 best-selling memoir and humor books, and an actress of both stage and screen, but was perhaps most known for her roles on television. She won the Daytime Emmy Award for Outstanding Talk Show Host in 1989 for The Joan Rivers Show. Right here on The Joan Rivers Show, you are going to meet people who go out more recently, she was known for co-hosting the celebrity fashion show Fashion Police and starring in the reality series Joan and Melissa, Joan Knows Best, alongside her daughter, Melissa Rivers. He looks like a homeless man that walked in by mistake. <laughs> Joan Rivers was a true icon in entertainment, and we will always remember her comedy. Sirius XM Comedy remembers Joan Rivers. That's the title of my autobiography. I can't believe you made it. Comedy hits. I am. I'm from. I'm the only single person in my family, and uh, this wasn't so tragic up to a few years ago because there were three of us. See, that was single. There was a sister, a cousin, and me. And then uh, my my sister is getting married, which we'll talk about soon. And she's uh, and, uh, she's marrying a Cuban. And my father is thrilled. He said, "Well, I gain a son, but I lose a tractor." And, uh, but he's a Cuban doctor. And uh, we dressed him up and bought him a gold tooth. So anyhow, so. Uh, and, uh, 
And we've been having like a lot of receptions going, and uh, you meet people on reception lines. And usually on a reception line, they'll say things to you. Um, you know, if it's a wedding reception, it's like, "This is Joan Rivers. How do you do, Joan Rivers? How do you do, Joan Rivers? How do you do?" Right. Well, in Westchester, they don't say your name. They say what you gave, and they say like, "This is service for twelve. How do you do, service for twelve?" You know, gift coming. <laughs> gift coming just gets one hors d'oeuvre. But anyhow, so um, <laughs> the other single person see was my cousin, and um, my co- my cousin was never married, which is kind of interesting. She was 77 years old, never married, fooled around, you know, but never married. She <laughs> she went to a testimonial dinner for Geritol. Met a, <laughs> met a guy, 92 years old, and they got married. They had to. So the whole, <laughs> the whole family was hysterical that she finally made it, in the biblical sense. So my mother said, let's, uh, I was like, let's give her a party. So we went to the hotel plaza, and we all stood there, and we toasted them in a glass of hot water and the juice of a lemon. And then, uh, from the hotel into the ambulance, we all lined up. <laughs> we threw rice and orthopedic shoes. And, you know, <laughs> and they had a two-week honeymoon at the Mayo Clinic, and it was nice. Uh, it is a salute here on Raw Dog Comedy Hits to the comedy of the one and only Joan Rivers. Uh, I want to thank some of the people who called us today. Susie Espen, Bonnie McFarland, Tammy Pescadelli, Lisa Lampanelli, Amy Schumer, Sarah Benicassa, um, Judy Gold, Kathy Madigan, Eliza Schlesinger, Max Alexander, um, Jeffrey Ross... Uh, just so many. Coming up in a little bit, uh, I believe it's 7 o'clock, we will play The Unmasked that I did with uh, Joan Rivers just on July 1st. Uh, not that long ago, less than two months ago. And uh, obviously she was full of life and exciting. Before then, I'm going to play an interview that she came back and did... Mm, was it even a year ago or less than a year ago? Less than a year. Uh, with Melissa that time. And um, this is one of my favorite things because she starts to talk about doing stand-up comedy in the village in the late 50s, early 1960s. She was an amazing stand-up comic and came from an amazing class of people. David Steinberg was working. Woody Allen was working. Bill Cosby was working there. Richard Pryor was there. Um, obviously, at that point, there there was no way to know that all these young people making, you know, hat money, basically you would pass a hat around 
all these young people would go out and reshape comedy. And she brings that up with us. It's really, really interesting. And I'm so glad that I had the chance to talk about it. Our friend Jeffrey Gurian is here with us uh, also. Jeffrey, you had the chance to write for Joan Rivers before. Yeah, it was one of the greatest honors that I ever had. This was back in the 90s. We had met at a, at a Friars Roast, and she actually requested me to come and write for her. And I went to her home. And um, at the time, I was engaged in my other career. And, mm -hmm. you know, when I got to her house that day, I'll never forget. She lives in this gorgeous palatial townhouse, you know, and uh, the doorman asked me if I could wait for a minute because she had just sprained her ankle. And I thought to myself, wow, what a great thing. I can write her a prescription for painkillers <laughs> and I'll be a hero, you know. And uh, and when I, when I finally went upstairs, I realized that she didn't know about my other career. She just introduced me to everyone as Mr. Gurian. And we had a wonderful interview. And as, as the result of that, she had me write for her. And I, I wrote for her for several months and it was one of the greatest times. She was the kindest, sweetest person, exactly the opposite of her stage persona. Mm. Uh, unbelievable how someone could be so different than, than what she appeared to be. To people who didn't know her, they thought that that's who she was. But she was a kind, sweet, gentle, gracious person. And we saw her again recently when she was here for The Unmasked. You know, and I got to see her again. And to show you how, how sweet she was, you know, she was, she was very interested in my book. And she was asking me questions about it. And I said, you know, let me give you a copy of it. And she said, no, no, absolutely not. She had her assistant take a picture of the cover of my book. And she said, I want to buy one. No. I want to support you. I don't want you to give me anything. I want to go out and buy one. I want to support you in the book. That's the kind of gracious, kind person that she was. Uh, we're talking about uh, the one and only Joan Rivers, who we all had the opportunity to meet here, and we were all crazy about him. I think it was Judy Gold who bro uh, um, brought up earlier that when Joan would give you her attention, um, it was one of those things where she locked on, on to you. You really kind of bast in it a little bit. So let's go to the second time that we had her do the show. This is with Melissa. Then that this was the reality show that they were doing. And um, again, I, I'll say this several times. This is one of the great honors of my life. I've ever had the chance to meet and interview uh, Joan Rivers. <laughs> we are like, what, what do these guys play on this show? I'm anyway, like, what is that? What is that song that just repeats and repeats, and I'm never quite sure what it said. Something's gone wrong in the neighborhood, or something like that. The uh, Joan and Melissa Joan knows best premieres Saturday, March 29th, uh, ten o'clock on the East Nine Central on We TV. Not that everyone doesn't know this because you've gone viral again over this. RJ thing. Thank is, God. Yeah. yeah. 
Ray J. Ray J. Ray J. Ray J. Ray J. What does it matter? <laughs> good looking is good looking. Yeah, we did a porn. T- uh, nobody has ever thought of doing uh, an old, a slightly older woman. Uh huh. The last one I did was with Moses. There's a reason. (laughs) There's a reason because, you know, but the nice thing is we did it in a very dark room. (laughs) Now, now you say that, but I honestly think that the episode that you did with Louis C.K. was incredibly sexy. Incredibly sexy. he made it sexy. Yeah. He went after. He really stood up with me. Yes, he did. That was all improv. Is that right? (laughs) All improv. What are you doing? But He's I thought so it good. really worked. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, I thought it was a great episode. I think yeah. he's a great filmmaker. Yeah. But you guys, I, I hope you go back and do the show again because... Well, tell him that. Yeah, I will. I will I'll stay on about that. His uh, season starts up again pretty soon. Um, Melissa, for you, is this show crazy for you to be you know, doing this, you and your mom out here, on this kind of reality show stuff? Is it crazy? Yeah, I mean, you're um, really putting a lot out there. Oh, absolutely. But it's nice because I find that people now understand why I am the way I am. Okay. It explains my psychoses now. <laughs> um, yeah. See, really? It's because of that. No. Um, I don't know. I haven't. Th- I don't really think about it anymore. Really? I'm, I'm, but I'm, you're that I'm, comfortable with it. But I'm, I'm also very clear as to where my lines are. Mm-hmm. And her lines have changed in four years. Is that right? Oh, God, yeah. I think it's a much wilder show. It's a much funnier show. I think this season, and I'm not just saying this, like, yeah. people always go, this is a great season, then it sucks. But uh, this is a terrific season because she also finally said, I'll f- fuck it. Right. All right, film it. Let it go. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, the boyfriend, the difference with you in bed with the boyfriend well, can- now than two years ago. <laughs> lot more you know we got to see you but also, boobies and but also i i'm very also i'm also very clear on where my line with my son is uh-huh so. that's the only important yes. thing to you well, that's all that for. matters yeah we'll that, change, that's nice we'll change that's that nice. season five <laughs> that's nice mother that's some that's you know see to me to you know a lot of these shows you have to come up with things yes. for the people to do but you have joan rivers a, a comedic genius on the show i imagine they're just gonna let you run with ideas right the joke is that we would send film in or tape into we yeah and they would say no 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 we want reality here and we Melissa would say to them no that actually happened right. that happened <laughs> that absolutely happened and then they go oh okay is there a certain freedom though when you put so much stuff out there that you know now nobody can hurt you with anything though is it oh people can hurt you all the time yeah <laughs> yeah that, i don't think putting it out there has anything to do with people hurting you in the, i mean we're not do we're not tabloid people right so it's not you know there's nothing anyone there's no deep dark skeleton that something's going to pop out and unless there's something you haven't told me right. i'm hoping yeah but Joan, I'm always hoping they'll find out something. I was thinking, when you just said we're not tabloid people, were you like one of the first comics to really use the tabloid stories on stage, though? And was anyone probably? Doing, yeah, I, I don't was know the first, any... first one to really say, which goes back to the red carpet, yeah. that this one's a drunk and this one's a this right. and this one's a that. People are always so scared to say anything negative about our stars in those days. Yeah, exactly. And the very strange thing about comedy is like every other art form, we always give credit to the people who did stuff first. 
And for some reason in comedy, we never do that. We just... Because well, nobody really knows who's done what. Yeah. You know, that, it, it's not like putting a song out where you could say Elvis was the first to do this. Right. Uh, I know when uh, David Brenner passed away the other day, we got around saying, you know, critically, David Brenner, is a gigantic amount of people followed him what he but did. But he was gone. I find fame very interesting. You ask... 12 people on the street, if they're under 30, who he is, they wouldn't have a clue. Which is fascinating because he was one of the very first to really bring observational humor. Absolutely. Absolutely. To the mainstream. Oh, yeah. God, was he funny. He was so funny. And I think, I, I might be wrong with this, weren't you and David the first time two comics went first out? First time two mm-hmm. comics went out. Melissa was a little girl. Mm-hmm. She was on tour with us. Yeah. And we went out and we didn't know who go first and who would go second. Yeah. And so we would toss a coin backstage. Every night it would every be... Every night. And every night it turned out... <laughs> David went first. <laughs> <laughs> Two-headed coin? But we t- we turn- <laughs> toss that coin every night. But, because, uh, you know, that whole thing, well, who's first? I've never believed in that. Right. I've always said, if you can't... I like to go on early mm-hmm. and knock them out and walk away. Okay, job done, going yeah. home. And, uh... Uh, a lot of people say, well, you got a headline, i got to be the next to last. No, you no and crazy. then you guys close, always closed the show together. Then, we, then we'd come back and we'd take questions of the audience. And he was genius at that. Yeah, and like you said, for some reason we don't hold... If, if, a, if, a, if any kind of movie star from any era dies, you oh know, they God. get all the accolades yeah. in the world. But there's something about comedy... Are the lowest form of human... <laughs> Right. showbiz endeavor. My mother, to the day she died, never said I was a comedian. She says she's a writer. Is that right? I was hosting the Carson show. <laughs> she's a writer. She's a writer. So proud of her. She's yeah. a writer. Yeah. That is the strangest thing yeah, uh, well, about comedy. Yeah, well, comedy's of garbage. I wonder hey, why... take my... <laughs> Three nuns and a rabbi. We're eating a chicken. You know? <laughs> I'd like you to expand on where that one was about to go. I was loving it, though. Yeah. It was really good. Three nuns and a, a rabbi chi- eating a chicken. chicken. I know I'm going somewhere for and an one joke. And they went into the bar to get a napkin, and yeah. the bartender said... It was a midget. Yeah. <laughs> Behind the bar with a duck on his head. Joan, as long as, long as you've been doing this, you're still jotting jokes down... Constantly. Excuse me. Yeah. Excuse Going into me. the purse. <laughs> Look at this. Yeah. What do you want to talk about? This is what I was thinking about last night because I'm not even doing all these things. Yeah. Yeah. That is amazing. There's just little pieces of scrap paper, scrap paper. and it's just always going. That was from the breakers in West and Palm Beach. This is from, there were most of them from, from uh, yeah, look at this. This is from another place. I can't even read where it's from. Hotel. Uh, the hotel, something in, uh, can't even read it. You know, and you're still just writing it down on scrap paper, yeah. napkins, wherever. You don't wherever. think. There it is. Yeah. Oops. That is amazing. Okay. Okay. Don't, don't touch it. That's a joke. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. You never stop. Because you don't know when it's going to be funny. Thank right. you so much. Someone, someone just picked it up. You don't know when it's going to be funny. And if you don't have a piece of paper and a pencil, you're a fool because it's gone. Right. But I don't or think you put it in your phone. I don't think that most people phone, get yeah. though that it's like a twenty-four hour job, you know. But it's so much fun. You still it's, enjoy oh it just God, as much. When they laugh, I you know you write you think of a joke, and then you go and you say it, and they laugh, and you know bingo, oh it's yeah. great. And then when they don't laugh, it's like kill your babies. That's still after all this time, just it Kills hurts just me. as much. 
I said something the other night, and then we'll go back, and I don't mean to... Uh, I was talking about how I hate children. I really don't <laughs> like children. And uh, Sophie's Choice... <laughs> Meryl Streep's the only show I didn't like her in because when she got a check, she got rid of the boat. <laughs> Take a boat. I'm out of here. I'm single again. And the audience went, oh. and he said, well, okay. Okay. Okay, not, next. Not working. <laughs> Is, uh, what's it been like for you, though, Melissa? Like, now you say your your son's kind of dealing with your childhood was like, right? Where Very similar. Yeah. Very similar. Except he's getting a double dose because he has mommy and grandma. Right. Um, but he knows. He, he gets it. He knows. I had Cooper in December. Mm-hmm. And I was back on the red carpet for the Golden Globes, which is the, usually the third week of January or the second week of January. So I literally went right back to work less than six weeks after I had my son. Yeah. And I just picked him up and took him. And off we went to the dressing room. So it's just like me. He's just never known any other life. He does get a double dose. He, however, has realized that my mother and he are kindred spirits. Is that right? In the sense of they have the common enemy, which is me. (laughs) (laughs) His first words were room service. (laughs) Room service. (laughs) No, but they do. They have a common enemy, Mm -hmm. and that'd be me. But you know that is life, right? I mean, it's the family business. If you're, yes. you know, if you're a family or fisherman, you're out on the no, boat as exactly. a young age. Exactly. They have a restaurant. You're bussing tables. Yes. So, it, that, it, it, so to him, it's very, very yeah. normal. Right. I think that we put a, a too big of an emphasis on what normal is well, because what, what's so great well, about that anyway? No, but to me, normal is the family values. Right. Normal is Oy. not necessarily. The, the structure in which they're taught. Mm-hmm. I had a very normal childhood in very extraordinary circum- surroundings and right. circumstances. But I still had the basic normal But, but you felt childhood. like this is a safe place and these people... Well, no, I've never felt safe. But <laughs> that's really between me and my therapist and we don't have enough time for that nor is it appropriate. I think that's the next booth over. Wouldn't that be... That would be the, the, the show to do is just you and your therapist for a while. Yeah, it would be. But I'm also the one that calls my therapist because my therapist says, you know what, I'm a cancer a day and he says why and I said because I'm having a good day I don't feel like dredging up my past and getting depressed mm. you know I'm that I'm that patient like yeah I'm fine well, we taught yeah. her very good things we taught her you know marry for money mm-hmm. <laughs> Never t- <laughs> deep values <laughs> sell your body don't be a fool yeah. fake yeah. orgasm what does it yeah. matter there's plenty of pieces of your soul to sell yeah for God's sakes it's a family business so were, you, were you out on the road too mm-hmm. Melissa so you were saying when the- oh, I remember being out there with my mom and David Brenner I remember yeah. being babysat by Gary Shinley I remember, I mean, those, Billy and that's, Crystal. And Billy, I mean, that's where my son's um, experience is different because I'm not on the road as much. Right. I don't go and do stand up. I don't do concerts. You know, when I travel for work, generally I try and keep it on, on a shorter time span. I'm not on these huge tours, but when I am, I take them. Yeah. You know, but for him, normal is, well, we, re- normal, normal is prepping for a red carpet or fashion police or the, re- well, or the reality show. I mean, literally we shoot in my house. Our bedrooms are upstairs. We live over at the shop. Mm. But also when we were doing in bed with Joan, which is on the internet, he ran the camera the first two shows. Well, you just got to work. You got to keep. You got to earn your keep in our house, or very good, like, earn your keep. Yeah. And then he was very upset because the show started to do well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in bed with Joan dot com, and he and, thought he was going to be getting out of school to do this. <laughs> and suddenly we had a real cameraman. Like, What's yeah. up with you that? remember that? Yeah, that was not, not ha- happy. Not happy. But my mother did explain to him that was the funniest thing you've said to him in a long time. Mm. The other day, when you said to him, you know that at 21 we present you with a bill. Yeah. 
Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's enough for free, Cooper. <laughs> you get a bill at 21. Getting a fucking bill here. Okay, well, he just got his braces off. He's like, oh, I'm so happy that I'm off. And she goes, oh, you weren't going to be happy when you get the bill. <laughs> what bill? Like, oh, at 21, you get a full itemized bill. Wouldn't that be amazing? Like, yeah. here it is. Here right? it is. I hope you enjoyed your stay. Don't worry, don't worry about college loans. You owe mommy a lot. Right. <laughs> Uh, Lose the, another retainer, why don't you? Joan and Melissa, Joan Knows Best premieres Saturday, March 29th, uh, 10 p.m. in the East on WeTV. And then you're going to be appearing in New York City at the uh, Beachman Theater always. April 1st. And, I, I, and I'm always there, by the yeah, way. You, you know, love whenever, that place. I love it. Uh, I just look it up when I'm there. If I have a free night and I'm in New York, I go there. And I just... I hate the term, I riff. There's yeah. nothing like an 80-year-old woman trying to say, you know, because I'm still from the era where you say hep. Right. You know? yeah. Everybody step. Who were the comics when you were breaking in? Who were the comics? The most the amazing time. George Carlin, Richard Pryor. I'm talking about sitting in a row yeah. at the bitter end with a number. Wow. George... Uh, Woody was there, Woody Allen, really? Lily Tomlin, uh, Bob Dylan was walking around the middle of winter without a coat or a yeah. scarf, uh, uh, Cosby. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. I put that line up against anybody, the, yeah. the people yeah. waiting at the bitter end. All waiting to go on. All waiting to go on. And all of us did well. And we had dinner one time, Cabot. Yeah. We had dinner about, uh, we did some comedy show for some charity, and it was about six years ago. And it was uh, Woody and Cabot and um, Pry was still around then. And we were all having dinner. And it was so nice because anybody could pick up the check. Anybody could grab it yeah, then. It was such a nice feeling. We all... So they let me have it. Suddenly, <laughs> <laughs> so everyone got kangaroo arms. Somebody, they all suddenly <laughs> <Little> kangaroo <laughs> arms. No one can reach for that. Delimite, delimite, alligator. And again, you know, we talk about that with comedy that they'll go back and make you know movies and documentaries about early scenes. But that scene that you were talking about is just extraordinary. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. real American history. Those are the people that shaped comedy over the next few decades. And what I say to comics, and I really believe this. If you're good, it's going to happen. It may happen at a different time. I was the last one through. Mm -hmm. Absolutely the last one through. Uh, But eventually it's going to happen. And you just have to know that. Larry David, 20 damn years. Right. You know, before anybody said, hey. Right. That guy's good. Oh, God, is he good. Yeah. What about, we always do this thing called the comedian that changed your life. Was there some comedian that you looked at or... Oh, don't even finish the sentence. Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce. Nothing to discuss. Nothing to discuss. I was lucky enough, we were at the bid around holding the numbers. He was across the street at a place called Cafe Wa getting busted. And we were able to run across and see him. Can't touch him. Nobody still can touch him. And you wonder if he was alive, what he'd be talking about now. Yeah. What was it about him that, that made him that leap, you think, that went out? I told the truth. Mm. I know this sounds stupid, and that's what I try to do. Told the truth. And also sexy as hell. Such a... Oh, oh, oh you have no idea. The women were mad about him. And the men loved him because he was a man's man mm-hmm. and told... The truth. I would go around and he knew, you know, like all this stuff now. And I do it in my act. He'd say, yeah, you're a nigger, you're a wop, you're a kike, you're a frog, you're a chinkarino. Everybody something's to stop it. Yeah. And you went, yeah. yeah. And then he would do the act. 
It was amazing. It was amazing. Isn't it funny that he was doing that 50 years ago and we still let words hurt us today? And, and what are we going to do? And He did something yeah. that was so nice for young people. I was... I'm so sorry because I, I should let Melissa talk. Or, eh. Yeah, but she's heard this story a million times. Uh-huh. Um, I was at the bitter end doing my own act and bombing, and uh, he came over one night and he sent me a note. You're right, they're wrong. Held it in my bra, and went on, and I ended up on Carson. Blah blah blah. And I'm sitting with George Carlin one night years later. We're both okay now, and I said to George, "You know what kept me going." Letty Bruce came over and saw me and sent me a note. You're right, they're wrong. He said he sent me the same note. So I think he sent it to every comedian around. That's so great. How sweet in a way. He would see a comedian, he would send them a note. You're right, they're wrong, Lenny Bruce. And that's, you know, what's great is like that goes back to that Louis episode where he came up and, you know, it was so rough and you just, your character just gave him so much shit. You, you just keep going, keep you know, going. keep was, going no matter what's happening. Yeah, it was, it was a whole different era. It's so great to have you guys in here. I'm, I'm happy that uh, things are working out for you. It's uh, Joan and Melissa Rivers. Joan Knows Best premieres Saturday, March 29th, 10 o'clock on the East Weed TV. Thank you so much, guys. Thank, Thank you. you so much. We'll see you next time coming through. Joan and Melissa Rivers. Um, a little later on, I think about it's about a half hour from now, we'll be playing the one hour unmasked. But it was amazing to have the chance to talk with uh, Joan and Melissa Rivers and hear Joan reminisce about those times in the 1950s, early 1960s. The great, great people that Joan was starting with. And, you know, we didn't even, uh, you know, at Second City, there was Del Close and Mike Nichols, and um, it's phenomenal, phenomenal, the life and career of Joan Rivers. Um, We will, what do we need to do, take a break here? Yeah, we should take a break. Okay, we'll take a break, and then we'll be right back with more of the stand-up of Joan Rivers and um, coming up in about a half an hour we will play the Unmasked where Joan sits down with me in front of uh, an audience and discusses her career we'll be right back with more Joan Rivers Ladies and gentlemen, the like to introduce you, it's Raw Dog. What is going on here? I'm not trying to be dirty, that's the title of my autobiography I can't believe you made it Comedy Hits I can think got her first national exposure on my show, who not only writes funny, she is funny herself. Would you welcome, please, Joan Rivers. Sirius XM remembers the legendary comedian, actor, and television host, Joan Rivers. She's passed away at the age of 81. Do you think you're any older? I don't feel any older. I feel great. Yeah, you know when I feel older? When you buy a bikini. <gasps> or when the body is falling and you're wearing a bikini, you go waiting and the top gets wet first. You go, oh, <laughs> 
was a pioneering female comic known for her signature style and biting wit targeted at celebrities and, of course, herself. I mean, I'm not even attractive in Russia. She began her career playing Greenwich Village comedy clubs like The Bitter End and The Gaslight Cafe in the early 1960s. In 1965, Joan had her first of many memorable appearances on The Tonight Show. Well, when I first got married, I never cooked when I was single because I figured I, if the Lord wanted a woman to cook, he'd give her aluminum hands. <laughs> became one of Johnny Carson's favorite and most frequent guests, and even went on to guest host the show. Joan Rivers was the author of 12 best-selling memoir and humor books, and an actress of both stage and screen, but was perhaps most known for her roles on television. She won the Daytime Emmy Award for Outstanding Talk Show Host in 1989 for The Joan Rivers Show. Right here on The Joan Rivers Show, you are going to meet people who go out more recently, she was known for co-hosting the celebrity fashion show Fashion Police and starring in the reality series Joan and Melissa, Joan Knows Best, alongside her daughter, Melissa Rivers. He looks like a homeless man that walked in by mistake. <laughs> Joan Rivers was a true icon in entertainment, and we will always remember her comedy. Sirius XM Comedy remembers Joan Rivers. And I think like, everybody should have a pet, but I don't think uh, you should overlove a pet. And uh, we have neighbors on the left called Levine, or uh, Levine, because they just went into a higher income bracket. But, uh, <laughs> suddenly they realized they were French all along. But anyhow. <laughs> so anyhow, so they have a chihuahua, but originally they had a little boy named Ronnie. And, uh, <laughs> these mothers you know, had like a very difficult time giving birth to the son you know like just ask her it's like you know 25 years later she's still timing the contractions you know these kind of mothers <laughs> you go to borrow a cup of sugar you know you say have you got a cup of sugar Mrs. Levine you know, she's like every seven minutes they're kind of <laughs> <laughs> oh my doctor says I'm brave I'm brave you know <laughs> Because Ronnie was an only child, the Levines slash Levines lavished him with affection. You know, anything Ronnie wanted, Ronnie got. You're like, sacrifice, sacrifice, a chicken a week, you know? And, in <laughs> and everything Ronnie had, Mrs. Levine took and dipped in bronze. <laughs> and put on a bracelet, you know? And she'd say, like, this is Ronnie's baby shoe, I had it dipped in bronze. And <laughs> This is Ronnie's skate key. I had it dipped in bronze. <laughs> this is Ronnie's maternity pin. I had it dipped in bronze. This is Ronnie, and he'll never leave me. <laughs> this is my obstetrician. He says I'm a brave woman. <laughs> you know, and in spite of all this affection, Ronnie grew up and did something rotten. Rotten, folks. He cut the cord, Snippo, and <laughs> Mrs. Levine took it and had it dipped in bronze. <laughs> he went into the service. Well, Mrs. Levine was furious and she wasn't going to take the slime down. And she went right with him to Fort Dix. And uh, my mother and I went to see her. She looked terrific. Yeah. 
I had slimmed her down and shaved her head. She was much. <laughs> she won the sharpshooter medal, you know, spitting bullets through her teeth, the whole thing. And from Fort Dix, the army took Ronnie and sent him over to Japan. And while in Japan, he figured, you know, when in Rome, be a Jap. He married. He married a Japanese girl. Well, through the heart. She was a poor Japanese girl. Her father wasn't ready to wear kimonos, nothing. And, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Levine washed their hands symbolically of Ronnie, and they got rid of his books and his toys in his crib, and they went to Macy's, and they bought themselves a chihuahua that they named Sonny. A little Freudian? Now, before we go on, because, you know, it's like, I want to know who here, or who here, college grads, who here likes chihuahuas? I hate chihuahuas. I'm not a sh- yes. Chihuahuas are a myth perpetrated on the American public by Xavier Cougat. When I say, like, I hate chihuahuas, like, I wouldn't kill chihuahuas. I'm not a chihuahua killer. You know, God put them on earth, Noah took them on board, so what the hell? uh, I'm not the one, you know, to take the flute and head for the East River with the chihuahuas. Come on, no. What's nice about chihuahuas? They shake to Latin rhythms. <laughs> the, the only good thing you can say about chihuahuas is you can knit a sweater for a chihuahua in an hour, but that's it. So, hey. Let's go back. The Levines had Ronnie who married the poor Japanese girl, so they got rid of Ronnie and they bought a chihuahua named Sunny. Everybody got that? Heads down. <laughs> be a test on this in Beowulf tomorrow. <laughs> so anyhow, you, you hear like these hideous stories and people go out to dinner with their dogs, right? And the Levines would go out to dinner with my parents and it'd be my mother and my father and Mr. and Mrs. Levine and Sonny in an outfit. <laughs> and Mrs. Levine would say to the head waiter things like, table for five. <laughs> and Sonny was so ashamed, he'd shaken double time. It <laughs> some pretty folks. <laughs> this is a chihuahua cry at Howard Johnson's. <laughs> right into the cherry vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> this very morning, this very morning, Wednes or Thurs, we were busy yesterday. This very morning, Thurs, Mrs. Levine picked up a princess to tell my mother. It's happened all over again, full circle. Sonny has run off with a Siamese cat. <laughs> That is the one and only Joan Rivers. God, she sounds like a baby there. She sounds so young. I don't remember her sounding like that. Just, just so ridiculous. No, you weren't. A, you weren't alive when she was uh, when she was doing that material. Um, Joan Rivers, 
uh, somebody who we were all really, really crazy about here at Raw Dog, passed away uh, today. She did not come out of the coma, I guess, that she went into uh, over the Labor Day weekend. And we heard from so many comedians um, that knew her, that admired her, and wanted to um, just tell some stories. Uh, the wonderful Susie Essman, who, Bonnie McFarlane, who just did that, um, that documentary called Women Aren't Funny. Um, and if you get a chance to check that out, and you should, Joan is in that. Tammy Pescatelli, Lisa Lampanelli, Amy Schumer. Uh, for me, if you look at these those five women, and you can kind of draw that line from Joan Rivers, whether Joan wanted that or not, you know what I mean? These women all followed in her uh, footsteps. Uh, at least into the footsteps after knocking down so many of those trees many, many years ago. Uh, Sarah Benacasa, Judy Gold, Kathleen Madigan, Eliza Schlesinger, Jeffrey Ross, um, Heather McDonald. Also got a call from Max Alexander who told this really adorable, great story about Joan and just how kind she could be to people. Um, coming up in just a little bit, we're going to be playing some more um, of Joan's comedy. And then Unmasked, uh, a time that she sat down for me and we talked for an hour. Um, it's something I've been wanting to do with her for a long, long time, um, going back years. And uh, at least four years since we got her in the first time, and then we, you know, we worked for years um, together to come in. She'd uh, done Howard Stern's show probably 50, maybe even more times over the years. Always legendary shows. Um, the number of Tonight shows that she had done, phenomenal. Even though there was a ban of 20 or so years probably 25 years, uh, that Jimmy Fallon broke that ban and invited her back the first night um, that he did The Tonight Show, and then had her back on The Tonight Show again, and she killed. And I, I do want to say this about Jimmy Fallon. There are so many people who will say something nice or kind after someone passes away. But Jimmy Fallon did something incredibly kind and meaningful for Joan Rivers while she was still alive. It meant a lot to Joan uh, to be able to walk back on that stage after so many years. And I'll never forget that night. I'll never forget her walking back out there because I knew how much she cared about that. Uh, like anybody else, she made her mistakes, but like they say, you know, it's how many times you get back up. Um, let's play a little more of her stand-up comedy, and when we get back from that, uh, you'll hear an hour unmasked. Joan Rivers talking about so many different topics. Uh, for me, it was a magical, magical time. Uh, this is a tribute to someone we all care about, Miss Joan Rivers. I want, I'm going to change a few things. 
I want to do the show for you. I am anxious to do the show for you. But I only will work now for people I want. So some of you are going to be asked to leave. I'm sorry. <laughs> Please go fucking quietly. I don't want to make a scene. All people that start with you, get the fuck out. I, 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 I hate all people. See, I'm gonna, And you know who you are, you're sitting there damp. Just get out of the oh. I hate you and I hate you ahead of me on a checkout line. They sign a check, oh don't do this. I'm double parking this bitch, I'll give you a check. children behind me coming here from Mexico to San Francisco. Oh, oh, oh. Children on an airplane. Lady, lady. Where is Casey Anthony when you need her? And don't give me, oh, there are two sides to every story. Susan Smith when she drowned her kids. Have you ever been in a car with two four-year-olds for eight hours? <laughs> Mommy, the car slope, you'll soon see. It is... I hate children, and you know who I hate the most? Ugly children. Oh, don't show me your fucking pictures of your kids. Cause they're ugly. Everyone thinks their kids are so beautiful. Impossible. Look at you. Look at your husband. Your daughter was conceived during an eclipse. They are ugly. And don't send me Christmas Christmas cards. Christmas cards with the family with those ugly children on them. And you're feeling good. It's Christmas. La la la. You open up the card. The Schwartzes had another child! No, it's the dog, thank God. Because everybody thinks their kids are gorgeous, right? All my friends, all my grandson, he is so gorgeous. They want him in a diaper and as a turd. And, and... So anyone that likes children or you think your children are attractive, get the fuck out. Okay. That is so hysterical. That is Joan Rivers just killing, killing. And it's just a couple years ago. You know, it's so funny. I know so many comics who are in their uh, 40s or 50s and they're like, I can't do this. You know, I can't take the road. It's so rough. And here was Joan. 81 years old, 81 years old with new material, working the road, working big rooms, working smaller rooms, whatever she had to do. Uh, we've heard from so many great, great comics talking about Joan today, but here's one of my favorite. He's one of the biggest and funniest comics in the entire world, Mr. 
Russell Peters. How are you, Russell? Hey, guys. How are you? Well, thank you so much for calling us today. You know, we're sitting here talking about Joan, and um, you know what? I mean, you know how long it took you to get established when I talked to you that time we did Unmask. But Joan's been doing this so much, even, you know, longer. Oh, man. Let me tell you something. Joan was, you know, she wasn't one of those comics that. You know, had a good set once. She continuously had good sets, and she was sharp as a tack. And it's, you know, it sucks. You know, I got I got to do her uh, in bed with Joan, uh, her yeah. show last year. Yeah, so that was cool because you know it was it was like my second time meeting her, and and you know there I was in bed with her, <laughs> just pounding. And uh, she was amazing. You know, she was great. And, and even after the show, she was like, "I want to get you on Fashion Police with me." And she tried to do it, but my schedule couldn't coordinate. She was like, oh, we'll get you on at a later date. And I remember saying to my agent, please hurry up with this. You know, she's 81 years old. <laughs> uh, uh, she was a great lady. I, you know, she'd be pretty annoyed if, if everybody was being all somber right now. And it is a pretty sad time for comedy. But, you know, knowing her, <clears throat> this isn't what she would want. She'd want us to uh, celebrate her in, a, in, a, in almost a roasting kind of way. Well, it's so funny because um, she never let you call her a legend. She never let you call her an icon because she didn't want to seem like what she accomplished was years ago. She was always interested in the next thing. Yeah, I mean, even her uh, jewelry business on the shopping channel was doing great. Yeah, And I even told her because my mom bought a lot of her stuff (laughs) off the TV. And when I told her, I said, uh, when I met her, I said, you know, my mom buys a lot of your stuff. She goes, oh, my God, give me your address. I'm going to send your mother some stuff. <laughs> and she sent me a box of stuff. I mean, it wasn't great stuff, but it was stuff. Right. <laughs> it was still stuff. Um, right. Can you imagine Russell going as, you know, as hard as she did for that many years? Uh, dude, she never stopped. It's, yeah. it's really incredible. I mean, I've been doing it 25 years, and I'm sure she'd been doing it for about 25 years before I'd even started. So, you know, she was a legend and, and, and she, uh, and she was a groundbreaker. You know, there was, you know, there was, I think, you know, if you were to rate the top three female comedians of all time, she's definitely in the top three, if not number one. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And in any list of, of comedians you were talking about. But, you know, I always think about with you, you, you go out and work to audiences that a lot of people had never seen. Like, you'll, you'll draw a Caribbean audience or whatever. But Joan was the first person I ever saw who did the, oh, I have a gay following and where are my gays at? And I remember being a kid going, I didn't know there was such a thing as a gay audience, you know? Oh, yeah, she was, uh, you know, pardon the expression, I guess she was the first fag hag, right? She was very early on with it. I can't remember, you know, it was her and then Barbara Streisand and Liza Minnelli for, you know, for singers. But she was the, yeah, and Cher, but she was the first comic I ever saw. um, Oh, absolutely. That drew gays. Yeah, I mean, you know, she she opened up a whole bunch of new markets for the world. She created, uh, she created niches. Yeah, it was a it was an amazing thing. Hey, dude, thank you so much for checking in with us today, too. No problem. Hey, you know, uh, rest in peace, Joan, and, and let's keep celebrating her. We will uh, keep celebrating. Thank you so much, my friend. Um, there he is, Russell Peters, who I said is not only one of the funniest, but really one of the biggest uh, comedians in the world. He is 
I think he's played every continent except for Antarctica, um, which is it's hard to even imagine. Uh, so many great comics we got to hear from today. And, you know, some people, it's always funny to me that, you know, they're like, oh, Joan wouldn't like that. Other people, and I, I won't even give out some of the names, but you heard some of them on the air tonight who had trouble keeping it together. And some people said, look, thank you for calling me, but I'm so crushed that I couldn't go on and uh, talk about this. Um, but I do want to thank the folks who did. Coming up in just a couple of moments, it will be Unmasked with Joan Rivers. Unmasked with Joan Rivers coming up in just a couple of uh, minutes. But I I do want to thank um, some of the comedians who called here earlier today. Uh, Susie Essman, who is so incredibly funny and was one of those people who was right off the bat able to put the way she felt about Joan um, into that spot that uh, wrapped it up perfectly. Then Bonnie McFarland. Bonnie has a DVD out right now, or uh, and you can also get it online, of a movie called Women Aren't Funny. And it's about what women have to go through in comedy. And you, she's got all the funniest women in the world. But when you think back to Joan Rivers, when Joan did this, there wasn't really any other women to look around at. You probably had Phyllis Diller, uh, Toadie Fields, and probably Moms Mabley. I can't think of anyone else uh, that was uh, a woman and doing stand-up comedy at that time. So talk about really being a pioneer or uh, a rule breaker. Uh, Joan Rivers doing material that was edgy and sharp in a, in a time where we hadn't even had the term women's liberation. At all. Um, Tammy Pescatelli uh, called us today. Um, such, a, such a funny lady. And bringing up the fact that, you know, Joan had always been there. Lisa Lampanelli, who uh, is... I, I just adore her. But one of the things that I loved that Lisa did today, uh, who said, Joan wasn't even always kind to her. Um, didn't always say the best things about her, but Lisa dug it anyway and just said, look, that's Joan Rivers. If she doesn't like me, she probably has, you know, whatever reason she wants to. Um, Amy Schumer, who is, her career is doing so great right now. I mean, she's got a great TV show. She's doing, uh, uh, a new movie and, uh, as she was talking to us today, it kind of choked everybody up in here a bit, too, because when she said the part about here is um, when you're a kid and you're not happy about the way you look and then you turn on TV and see this very funny woman dealing with the same issues, um, it's very, very uh, helpful. Um, we never know where it comes from. Um, Sarah Benacasa, thank you so much for calling in today. The great... Judy Gold, the incredibly funny uh, Kathleen Madigan, Eliza Schlesinger, Jeffrey Ross, who had trouble um, just keeping it together, Heather McDonald, 
and the one and only Russell Peters. I also want to thank my gang for everything they did here today. Gil and was amazing. Uh, Laura in booking was great. Of course, Chris Stanley, Shelby, and Fez all coming together for us. Coming up next, it's one of the uh, happiest times I ever had a chance to spend. Um, sitting down and discussing the career of Joan Rivers. Thank you so much, too, for everybody who tuned in because you cared about Joan. Uh, that means a lot to me as well. So, up next, it's Unmasked with the one and only Joan Rivers. have the book so i brought mine too oh, wow. just in case well the book is just out right yeah it's out today literally today which is probably the stupidest time to release a book well, uh, because right because it's right before july 1st yeah everyone's away mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying no one's running to bookstores they're all trying to get to the hamptons right it's a very dumb time to release a book but this is summer reading. Yes, but the summer is July 4th. July 4th. So, so you're going to miss this. <laughs> you're not going to get it. This will be midsummer reading. Right. <laughs> be, yeah. Well, this, is, this book is so outrageous, so hilarious. Thank There's you. so many cringe laughs every page. And I was actually just saying, I can't imagine another person writing this book. Well, I just... You reach a certain point where you just say, I'm going to put down what I want to say yeah, and laugh about it. And America is so uptight and so politically correct now. And I, the book is everything but that. Well, yeah, it's a little far. Yeah, well, that's good. That's it's a little good. far that's from political. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's good. Yeah. You, know, but you can't even say Indian without <laughs> saying dot or feather. I mean, everybody gets. Yeah. Now, the, the thing is, very rarely with a book have I heard they were considering lawsuits before yes. the book came out. Is that great? Yeah. And I spent, all, I spent all money trying to find a Jerry Mahoney puppy, puppet because uh, that Jerry Mahoney was an old, for those of you that are not 106, he was an old puppet that wore like uh, plaid clothes, you know? Mm -hmm. And when Kristen Stewart and I go into court, and I'm going to ask her where she claimed she did not touch the balls of a director, I want to have I want an anatomically correct puppet that right. she could, please touch Jerry Mahoney. <laughs> and then I'm going to get the director up to to do it. So none of these things ever bother you if somebody has a it's, problem with one of your jokes? It's First of all, who the jokes about? They are about people that make what five hundred million dollars mm -hmm. over their lifetime. They're making twenty million dollars a movie. They're getting. If they're in the public eye, mm -hmm. and they're silly jokes and they're funny jokes and comics, as you know, my darling, right. are put on earth to make you laugh. Right. And if you're going to take it seriously, then you're. 
then you're, first of all, you're a woman calling yourself an actor. <laughs> so already. <laughs> you know, yeah. Already, you're not my group. Right. You're not my group. You take it seriously. Kristen Stewart, who is Kristen Stewart? Uh, uh, she's a, she plays either a vampire, or she, does, she does a lot of sucking. Right. So, <laughs> Vampire or Dracula thing. I don't know what she does. Yeah, it's Twilight, I think. Twilight, yeah. Yeah. Which is what they call, apparently, her vagina. (laughs) (laughs) That she got upset. I wonder why. I I don't know whoever read the book to her. (laughs) Obviously. Stupid. So again, it's Diary of a a Mad Diva. And I just want to point out, every page is this way. Every day, it's a diary throughout her life. And every day she's just throwing elbows and chucking (laughs) people down the steps. It's just so (laughs) funny. But it is like a a different universe. No one's taking this as journalism. No, no one takes this as journalism. (laughs) No, no, it's it's there to be funny. And people... I didn't know if it's funny. You think it's funny, and you're writing it, and you're laughing. And I have my friend Larry Amrose that I read everything to, and we bounce together and all that. And we'll be laughing on the phone about things. And then it's a year later, and you think, was it funny at the moment? (laughs) (laughs) And I brought it down to QVC, and I had people, because I had my jewelry line down there. And these girls are not funny. They're very serious and they're artists and, you know, designers. And they began to read it out loud and they began to laugh. And I thought, thank you, God, it's funny. All you want to do is make people laugh. Yeah, and I was talking to uh, different comedians about you, very edgy, you know, young comedians, and everyone says that you are the one most out on the edge. I don't know whether that gets back to you, but it does. That it's, makes me so happy. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think anyone's close. No, I think, but, but it's also age. Yeah, I could say anything. What are they going to do to me? Well, oh, <laughs> you're going to fire me? Get online. As Donald Trump says, <laughs> Donald Trump is a is a good friend of mine. Very smart. Don't ever let anyone think he's a fool. I've done celebrity friends smart. And one time, uh, somebody was going to sue me, and he said, "You know what I say? They want to sue me." Get on the line. Right. And I love that attitude. You know, get mm-hmm. on. Uh, you can say what you want at this age. And comedians, we are there to say the emperor has no clothes. Uh, you're not allowed to say anything. Everything is taken. Every, oh, my God. And I know you'll be, oh, you call me a nigger. Ah, <laughs> yeah, and I'm a kike. So you call me a kike. I'll call you a nigger. Now let's have lunch. <laughs> Everybody. It's so right. Everybody is something. You know yeah. what I mean? Everybody's a wop or a ching. I mean, are you going to bleep all the time? <laughs> Everybody is something. Yeah. By the way, Joan, we're not going to bleep out any of it. Okay, so, that's yeah. even better. Yeah. John yeah. Pollock, you know? Yeah. It's like, I once did a Polish joke, and this goes back about 20 years ago, at the, um, at the Westbury music tent. Yeah. And I, I don't even know what the Polish joke was. It was something silly. The Polish parade is great because they're supposed to march off it down they never can find it. So, so, <laughs> right. so it's great when you, and it wasn't, again, it was a very minor joke. So they came to throw garbage at me. They didn't, I so I didn't do any Polish jokes that night. You know, I did mm. every other thing. I didn't do Polish jokes. The end, they asked to take my picture with me. And I thought, if you're that upset that you brought garbage, 
now you want to take a picture. Make up your mind which side yeah. you are. You're just stupid. It is. It is dumb. But we, you seem to be the only one today who refuses the public apology. Will not apologize. Celebrities do it. Who? Oh, uh, Gary Oldman. Yes, is the latest. Yeah, well, well, but he should apologize. He should apologize for being in the, to say that Mel Gibson, yeah. and the, again, the stupidity, well, Mel was drunk, so it's why he hates Jews. <laughs> when you, in Vino Veritas, you moron, figure that one out. I mean, that's not, yeah, I thought what he said was dumb because his rationale was dumb. Right. You don't apologize. We make a joke, you don't like, you know, Sonny, you have to pay to come in and see me. You know, Bill Cosby once said to me years ago, uh, if you make one point, point one percent of the population of the world laugh, you'll fill stadiums. So don't worry about the rest. I thought, how smart of Bill. Is that is that true, though? Does it not bother you when people are upset with you? It it doesn't bother me uh, as Harry Truman, who I slept with. I slept with. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> He didn't just play the minute waltz. It was. <laughs> I had them all. Yeah. FDR, very kinky. Yeah. <laughs> you be the nurse, I'll be the crippled boy. I mean, he always had games. Uh, uh, what was the question? I, have, I swear to God, I have no idea right now. Um, but the point is, so many of these. Guys go out and apologize. Yeah. Kimmel has done it over. You know, Why? Yeah. It's re- when comedians are there to make you laugh. Yeah. That's it. Done. And if the joke didn't work, the joke didn't work. I told a story, which I had forgotten, which was in the New York Post this weekend. Mary Tyler Moore, mm. great in her time, but not funny. She was the reactor. Oh, right. You know, she was the reactor. Yeah, yeah. They were the, she would react to what they did. Um, didn't talk to me for 21 years. Literally, Deborah Norville was having a baby shower, and she said, I will not go if Joan Rivers is there. <laughs> I didn't even, I never even met this girl, you know. So anyhow, so I finally see her at some cancer benefit two years ago. I grabbed her, I said, why don't you talk to me? We're both old ladies now. We're both eating scrambled eggs, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, <laughs> so, Somebody is reminding us who we are. What she said? You made a joke about me on the Carson show. It's already twenty-four years ago, right. and, she, and, and you said I look like the Joker. And I said, A it was a terrible joke, and B you had nothing else to think about for twenty odd yes. years. You're holding a grudge. How about doing writing to your congressman about something? You know what I mean? Right. D- d- held a grudge for all these years. That that'll show Joan Rivers. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah, and you're right. That joke probably went on. Everyone laughed or didn't laugh, and, wh- and then forgot about it and forgot- put it in the past. Oh, of course, you forgot. Yeah, she's forgotten. You yeah. know what I'm saying? She's not. You better keep your jokes current. Right. Even Adele, God bless her, and I love it. Oh, yeah. she should never lose a pound. It is. Uh, oh, and she got mad at me because I said her big hit was rolling in the deep fried chicken. And, uh, you know, you take it out of your act as it goes. Yeah. And you wait for something new to happen. God bless the two new Kardashians now. Yeah. That are going commando. Oh, you go, thank you, God. You know, we, we got them now.
Now, it's so funny that you would say you keep the act fresh because a lot of people don't. A lot of people that were your peers are doing, you know. You can't. I don't change my act. I just constantly add new stuff. And the biggest compliment is when a friend comes and says, my God, there's so much new stuff in it. And you go, that's great, because every night I try to feed new jokes and new new things. I'm doing a whole thing about the homeless now, that there are no gay homeless. And I love it. Well, there are. Think about it, how great the boxes would look. I mean, I think I would. Oh. Yeah. It would be great. Yeah. This is a box. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it, I also have a box in the Hamptons. I have a box. <laughs> there are no gays. Yeah. Kills me. And that when you get a new piece like that, you love it. It is and exciting. And you love it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's, yeah. that's the one you can't wait to get to. Right. So my act, if you're going to only see part of it, see the beginning. Because the beginning, I come out with all the new stuff. And some work, some doesn't work. But all the stuff I want to talk about. And then... Because they have paid, I try to give them, like the last half, I give them things I know will work for them and make them happy. And a big shock. Always try to do a shock at the end. I end now with uh, Whitney Houston's last words. Which were? (laughs) (laughs) And I do it with water. Now, what is it that you love going to those points? Because you got I the love, laugh, but the oh, first before you get the laugh. I love having fun with the audience, and you all having not a sharp good time. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, you're all laughing at things you almost didn't know you could laugh at. It's I always think this is what I would say if we were sitting together in my house and we all had a glass of wine, mm-hmm. and that's the fun of the evenings, and that's the fun I think of my act. And, and the book, Diary of a Mad Diva. Diary of a Mad Diva, which, again, page for page funny. is filled with this kind of humor. Very, very funny, very edgy. And I I think that some of it, and tell me if I'm wrong, but it's dealing with fear, that we have fears of death, we have fears of not Everything. belonging. Yeah. Everybody's scared. Everybody's yeah. scared about death. You know what right. I mean? That's, I, and at this age... I don't even lie down because six. <laughs> if I fall asleep on a sofa, I always find Melissa has six friends that are carrying me out. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, everybody's got all these fears. Your yeah. fear of getting older, your fear of being alone, your fear of this, your fear of that. Uh, we're all worried about our looks. You know, it's all yeah. on and on and on. And it's all done. So laugh at it. Right. It's all fear of fitting in, the social anxiety. It's, and it's all, and, and yeah. I do a lot. I'm very um, uh, conscious of the Holocaust that it is being forgotten yeah. to the point where I have a little tattoo, a number on my arm. With just, just to have my grandson remember that yeah. there was a Holocaust. I had the tattoo, a number on my arm. Um, so I do, of course, Holocaust jokes, which people get so upset. But that's a way of reminding the audience it happened. You know, and I did go to Auschwitz, and they do have a bake shop there. It, they have a bake shop. <laughs> and I put my head in, and I said, smells good, who's in the oven? And <laughs> now, again, you hear, and that's it. Yeah, and yeah, it's in the, the book. It's, it's in, in the, the book. book. Uh, you love the book. You love, I, lo- I love yeah. the book because I just had a good time with the book. Yeah. And I, and my, my, I must say, my, um, editor, 
I never, never called and said you can't say that. There was I don't think she party. read it. <laughs> yeah. I know the truth. It was, it was the, the fucking truth. I don't think the woman ever read the book because you would send the pages and you'd get back, okay, keep going, keep, and you go, wait, you know, is then you weren't upset about the Helen Keller reference? You weren't upset about that? No. Yeah, keep going. And your your maid, your Asian maid. my Asian my illegal. I love yes. illegals, and I I should have dedicated the book to illegals. <laughs> oh, because they can't answer back. Comes from oh, <laughs> you know, there's no such thing. It's a holiday. Excuse me. <laughs> the holiday is my hand is coming off from calling you know immigration. Uh, I love oh. <laughs> You illegals and child labor, I really make a case for it in this book. <laughs> God bless, little fingers can set little stones. You know, yeah. it, <laughs> keep them busy. Keep, keep them out of trouble. Keep yeah. them out of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> you never hear Angelina's brood is in trouble. They're downstairs sewing and carrying all your. This is one of her kids' jackets. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's nice work. That's wonderful work. Um, so you don't mind when people get upset. Now, recently, I know Jerry Lewis. Oh, oh, look who's back from the dead. <laughs> I saw him. What is the thing? The zombie program. Um, Walking. Walking Dead. Walking yeah. Dead. Yeah. Yeah. He had a small part on that. Right. <laughs> Jerry Lewis. Right. Who I, I got angry at years ago. I did his telethon and I, in my own way, I do a lot of. Yeah. You know, quiet stuff. And I did his telethon, and he was standing there with a child next to him saying, this kid is going to die. And I said, I will never do this telethon again. You do not say in front of a little boy who's going to die, this child is going to die. Who are you? You unfunny, lucky, stupid asshole. So, <laughs> he got, he took on bridge. <laughs> and, I had forgotten because I block a lot of stuff out. He had actually uh, threatened to have people come and beat me up. Yeah, he did. And I'm, I'm, I was still married at the time. My husband was still alive at the time. And uh, we said, Don, never talk about it. I don't want to be beaten. I don't want my knees broken over yeah. Jerry Lewis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And nothing at all went away and gone. I've never discussed him. He's never discussed me, to my knowledge. Yeah. And suddenly somebody interviewed him. Well, Why? it was serious, yeah. And out of nowhere, he actually just brought it up that he sent you a letter that he would have guys from Chicago yeah, come and he talks you. about it. Yeah. Do you understand you could be arrested for that? Yeah. That is a threat? I mean, that's a yes, real threat. That's a real threat. That was a real threat. My, we hired guards, my husband and I. It was like yeah. a real serious thing. And that we didn't take him to court and do all that, you know. Uh, but why this moron brought... But he must be slipping somewhere because you wouldn't bring up that you threatened somebody's life yeah. to beat them up or but kill at, them. But at the time, you took it very seriously. Oh, you're damn... Yeah. At the time, he did know people, I'm sure, yeah. in Vegas. Everybody knew people in Vegas. That was the good days. <laughs> oh. You know? Yeah. If you're Jewish, I'm going to have my accountant beat your accountant up. I mean, it was all... <laughs> So you have had those things come up that you do take seriously. They're not things that you can just... Well, very few people yeah. have threatened to have the mafia. <laughs> yeah. And if they do, I'll shut up. Well, I'm going to fight with <laughs> Kanye West. If he's, uh, you shut the fuck up, I'll shut the fuck up. 
Yeah. My last words are not going to be, but I was only kidding. <laughs> You're not happy? You want me to shut up? I'll yeah. shut up. Yeah. Fine. So this is stuff that does happen from time but to very, time. Very, 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 yeah. very rarely. I mean, yeah. as I said, with Jerry Lewis, it's probably the last threat I ever got. And what? that was so long ago. And the French find him funny. I find that <laughs> fascinating. But maybe they don't get close to him because nobody wears deodorant over there. So, you know, it's like... <laughs> but, you know, he was with Dean, so... There, and they were, I, I've yeah. seen uh, clips of that. Yeah. And they were very funny together. They were amazing they together. They were amazing together. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't want to know private lives you don't want to know he's mm -hmm. you've also heard allegedly he's been nasty to people you know you go on the road and i always ask all the limo drivers you get into the limo in new orleans or in uh, seattle who's the nicest person you've had in the limo who cares yeah and they tell me <laughs> oh so and so and there was so oh, very interesting mm. and who was the least <laughs> here comes the question and who is the least nice to you and the same names come up over and over. And his name, for a long time, came up a lot. Mm. Frank Sinatra Jr. came up a lot. Uh, those are in different days. It was uh, right. he's made to become a very nice guy. Now I don't know. You know, certain Tara Banks comes up a lot. Certain names come up a lot. That they're not. It's been. You know, my husband was English, and he used to say, "You can only yell at your peers. You can only yell at so you go fuck yourself. Yeah, well, you go fuck yourself." Even even playing field. Right. You don't tell the wardrobe lady to go to hell. She needs the job. And those are the yeah. ones. So those are the ones I always ask. You know, it's yeah. like the waiter. Who, was, who didn't give you a good tip? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you write yeah. it down. Yeah. Because it's like Downton Abbey. I mean, it, they see everything. They know what's happening. And they know what's happening. And just and because they don't say. But it's always interesting to know. I was at Downton Abbey, and uh, Maggie Smith is lovely. Mm -hmm. Shirley MacLaine, little problem. <laughs> That's a, see, because yeah. I ask them, so who was yeah. nice? Who, <laughs> and you get it out of them. <gasps> you go, bingo, thank you, God. Oh, here's <laughs> something I can call my friends about immediately. You know, you, you call me, say, who, who, the gossip. I love gossip. Well, I thought uh, something that was one of the most amazing nights I've seen on TV recently is when you came back to the Tonight Show. That was with great. Jimmy Fallon after how many years? Uh, I was banned from the show, I think it was 27 years. 27 years. And my agent begged. You know, my career's been up and down, up and down. Yeah. It wasn't like I w uh, Johnny banned me, which was already right. a mistake, but that was, he was very angry I left. And I really never say this. I think it was because I was a woman. Everybody else left, and nobody. Cosby left, and Carlin left, and Billy Crystal left, and David Brennan. Nobody wasn't angry at anybody. I left, a wall came down. And I think because he really liked me the best. I, I, you know, you yeah. begin to think why. Okay, so I was banned from the show. Then he leaves, and Leno comes on. Nobody cares. Half your audience here today wasn't even born when that took place. Right. Nobody cares, for God's sakes. Yeah. And uh, they wouldn't bring me on the show. Leno decided... Not to use me. And my agent would call maybe every two years and say, people commit murder and they're out in 20 years. Mm. What is it? Would not use me. So the comics all knew about this. And then when Jimmy got the show, he called me the first day he got the show and said, we come on opening night. First Amazing. night. And let's break it. And I yeah. thought, how darling and sweet and sensitive 
And I was so, look at this, so yeah. emotional. And it turns out it was February 17th. And I didn't, my agent told me, which was the first night I'd ever been on Carson 51 years ago. And wow. Jimmy was, how about that? Yeah. And the car made a mistake. Look at this, here I go. And drove to the wrong entrance, which was the right entrance at the time. 51 years 51 ago. 51 years ago. And it, look at, mm. it killed me. So I said, I'm not going to get upset. It's not my night. It's his night. It, just go on and do it. And I did the whole thing. And I got back in the car. And I was going down to QVC, bucks a buck, buy the jacket. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I, I got in the car. And I started yeah. to cry. So, oh, my God. It was so emotional. Big emotional. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, I, I think, had no one to share it with because uh, all the men my age are dead. <laughs> <laughs> my vagina is so dry. <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia tried to ride a camel through it last night. <laughs> but let's not go with personal problems. Yeah. Ask me anything. But it, it was wonderful to see you back on that show. Yeah, and, it's great. And I think one of the things that I've, I love about you, and I think Jimmy has this too, is that kind of stuff matters to him. I think a lot of people today that kind of show business love yeah. isn't there. Yeah. You know? it, it, it was so meaningful to me. Yeah. You know? And uh, I didn't want to... Uh, it was his night. Right. It's not the night to say to the press, and you know, this is me. Bah, 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 bah. But I got out afterwards, and then it was lovely. Then it was lovely when they came back. You know, like a week later, they started picking up on it, and that was great. And you think the thing with Johnny is because he, he liked you so much yeah. that that broke There's his heart? No other, yeah. what he should have done, and he lied. I called him. You don't know me that way. Mm -hmm. I have always tried to play it as straight. Well, even my humor, right. straight as you can do it. When I knew I was leaving the show, my first call was to Johnny Carson, and he hung up. And then I called back, and he lived at that time in a house in Malibu that was like all glass, kind of one. And his wife said, Alexis answered the second time. I said, let me speak to Johnny. It's Joan. She said, I don't know if he's here. I said, it's one room house. <laughs> 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 he's there. Yeah. Look around. Just move your yeah. head. And, uh, <laughs> and what he should have done, because I went to Fox, and the Fox show didn't work, and uh, my husband committed suicide, and I was fired, and all that stuff. He should have, the day my Fox show went off the air, yeah. he should have had me on and said to me, where have you been? Right. It would have been so smart and funny. And, you know, I mean, held the, would see me in a restaurant six years later and would walk past the one and say hello. And you'd go, what did I do? What did I do that was so terrible? But see, I think that's the kind of way people feel with an ex. You know what I mean? Like when there's. That's very smart. An when, ex. Yeah. When there's that kind of, and he felt like I brought you in, I adore this girl, and I'm proving. And then when he kind of lost a little control, and you went out on your own, it just. But it was 20 years. Yeah. 20 years later, I everybody else, you know, Cosby walked, said hello, did six shots, and went and got his own show. Yeah. I mean, everybody moved on. Sure. It wouldn't be that you wouldn't keep going on the show. Yeah. But something clicked in his head. That was it. That it was personal. Something personal I did to him. But Maybe that, so sad. But but that's one thing for that to happen between you and Johnny. But Jay has nothing with you. Nor Jay was he even close with Johnny. No, and he should have worried more about getting funnier jokes. 
Right. <laughs> I, I know he lasted all those years, yeah. and I guess the Midwest really enjoyed him. Because uh, I never sat down at a dinner table and had people say, Oh, God, do you know what Leno said last night? <laughs> you know, so I, it, he's, he was too middle America for me. Mm-hmm. But obviously not for middle America. Who am I to talk? You know, right. That's, uh, he obviously did something very right. But, you know, your career, we go back to Carson. Up and you, down, up and yeah, down. Up and down, up and down. But you just keep coming. You just don't stop. You're like that prize fighter that no matter what happens, like the Rocky story, he's just coming back for more and more. Because I love the business. Mm-hmm. I love the business. What can be nice? You think of something funny and you say it and people laugh. Mm. And then you get a check. This is some. <laughs> this is some way to make yeah. a living. You know, it, it's. I love every aspect of the business. I love editing. I love set direct designing. I love writing. I, so I don't care where I'm. I will be in a car. I was in a car the other night. I work out in a little club, you know, called the West Bank. Yeah. Here in New York, 125 people. It's fabulous. And I was coming back from there, and they were filming a movie in a a circle. What is uh, the um, Columbus Circle? Columbus Circle. I stopped the car and got out and looked. I'm still a fan. Also, I wanted to get to the crafts wagon because they. Oh, oh. <laughs> a nighttime shoot always has a great crafts wagon. Yeah. Just look like you're an extra, and you can get oh oh oh, <laughs> hamburgers. <laughs> but it's just like when you were a kid; it still means Sa- the same. same exactly yeah. the same excitement. Exactly the same. I go to see every Broadway show there is, and I go backstage to say hello. And you go back; it's like someone's let you in the temple. It's so exciting that you're backstage at Barnum. They're letting you in. I'm still hysterical over it. Yeah. And that's everything you wanted as a kid. Everything. everything yeah. My eyes opened, and that's where I wanted to go. And then when you started doing stand-up, and the the people that were your peers, to me, the most amazing people that ever walked group. out on stage. Well, it was, a, it was the 60s. Yeah. In, in, first of all, Lenny Bruce was a, we were all on the main street in the village a place called the bitter end and there was george carlin and there was bill cosby and there was david brenner and there was uh chris rock was just starting uh, richard pryor richard pryor oh my god i mean we were all and uh walking around uh, bobby dylan with a <laughs> scarf and the way i mean just madness yeah. what was going on at that yeah. time and across the street was lenny bruce and they would let us all in to see him and it was just a magical time for all of us because you knew how brilliant comedy could be. You know, there was like a God there to say, yeah, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be. Well, it was like such a changing time because you kind of went Woody. The, yeah, was Woody, Al- Woody Allen was there. Cavett. We were all down uh, there. Ka- Dick Cavett was down there. and the, Rodney. The, I can't interrupt Rodney, you. Rodney, yeah. were, we, Everyone was down there. Yeah. yeah, we were all. David Steinberg. David Steinberg. But. At that point, comedy had just suddenly changed. Everybody was changing at the same time. And you suddenly were talking about your life. Right. And you would, uh, Woody, you know, it was this little Nebuchadnezzar guy. Yeah. And brilliant. Uh, where before you had to kind of look a little sharper. Right. Hey, a couple of cuffs going there. You know, that uh, it was a big changeover in comedy. And I was able to stand up there and talk about having an affair with a married professor, which was shocking at the time 
And the joke was, I had an affair with my professor. I didn't work out because while he was engaged to me, his wife became pregnant. And uh, <laughs> in those days, you would hear like, right. <gasps> what? Yeah. What did she say? Also, uh, it was also when um, Barbara Streisand was down there. Yeah. Urf, urf, urf. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Carly Simon. It was an amazing time. And did, at the time, did you realize that this is all happening, or you just working and no, it seemed normal? No, it just seemed normal. Yeah. And uh, the only thing was, uh, yeah, we were all in those days. Nobody stole from each other. There was a whole new band that we all kind of respected each other and liked each other. No, you didn't realize comedy was changing. It's just uh, we were just funny in our own way to our own selves. Yeah. Stunning, stunning time, though. Oh, and, George Carlin. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, prior, they wanted to do me, and they did me, um, a, a, a Life magazine, which is not even, wanted to do me as, like, comedian of the 70s, and, and stupid, I would never do this now. I said, no, <laughs> you moron. <laughs> no, uh, you should do Richard Pryor. He's better. I know. Well, stupid. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Young and yeah. stupid. And I took them all down to see Richard Pryor in the village. And Life magazine only hired handsome wasp men. They were 106 feet tall, blonde, all went to Yale. And I brought this whole group down with me to see Richard Pryor, who is doing <laughs> a discussion on how he had had VD and went into a free clinic and the nurse didn't want to give him the shot. I don't know. <laughs> and I never saw six wasps <laughs> freeze like statues yeah. and walk out backwards, you know. <laughs> but that's what you were talking about. You were talking about things that were never discussed. And a lot of that came from Lenny Bruce. All came from Lenny yeah. Bruce. So nobody's touched him. Uh, first of all, handsome, sexy, smart, and dealing with subjects. All you kept saying was, "Yeah, I thought of that. Yeah, yeah, that's right." You know, yeah, you couldn't touch him. It was so brilliant, so brilliant, and so sad. So. You know, ended yeah. up on so drugs, and they took away his card, and he couldn't work. It was a terribly bad ending. Yeah, I thought, I think if, and I don't even think enough has been written about that area and that little neighborhood and what changed there. Cosby alone started the whole thing. First black man, not yeah. to say I'm black, yeah, just to say I'm funny, yeah, and hysterical, hysterically funny. You know, what I mean, yeah, so together. Some people. They have to evolve. Cosby, I think, his learning was between the, got on the fl plane, the train in Philadelphia and got off in New York. He learned Somebody, what to something do. Something happened. In something the happened there. Because <laughs> he arrived in New York yeah. ready. He was, he was Cos already. And I don't think that we could even measure in the civil rights, you know, movement, what it meant to have that guy show up in your living room, make you laugh. Without race coming in. Without race coming. There was yeah. another one, uh, uh, Cambridge, uh, Jeffrey, Godfrey, Godfrey Cambridge, Cambridge yeah. who died very young, who was another just hilariously funny black man. Yeah. And they were coming up and just funny. You didn't have to do, uh, I be black man, he my jokes. Right. He just funny. Yeah. And Cosby went to college. He was a college guy talking to college graduates. I mean, yeah. it was a whole amazing moment. And you and Lily doing material. Lily, that, yeah. Lily Tomlin. Yeah. Oh my God, 
brilliant from the beginning. You know, just uh, she had it all together. And doing material that people didn't expect you to do. Yeah. And what Lily did a thing about sitting a corpse up and making it into a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> and half the audience went into shock. Right. And half the audience said, this is hilariously funny. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that so much of your material was so edgy then. But overall, I think you're even oh, yeah. more today. But you know? I played my first record. Yeah. For my daughter, which and I said, this put people into shock in 1966. Yeah. Into shock, Melissa. And we're going, is that sweet? Is that sweet? Right. Oh. I talk about my best friend, uh, Mr. Phyllis, and he was my bridesmaid and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And to call a gay man Mr. Phyllis, they, people would, they couldn't get it. It sounds so dumb now. And so I always think that I'm, I was always on the edge. Mm-hmm. But what the edge was in those days is not like the edge now. Now right. the edge is really the edge. You know, and they say, I mean, I always say on a scale of one to Osama bin Laden, how mean am I? Because <laughs> <laughs> it never feels mean to you. It's always it's, not, it's silly and it's funny. And if you're a celebrity, get ready to be laughed at. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, Cher is smart. Cher, when I take her out of the act, gets angry. Right. You know how brilliant that is? Yeah. What, what's the matter? I'm not funny enough. <laughs> she calls me up. Come yeah. on, put me back in. Put me back in. <laughs> and, and because that means when you do a joke about a celebrity, you are say, you're acknowledging that everyone in the audience knows who they are. Mm. That's, and has a mental picture. So that means look where you are. You know, if I say uh, Beyonce, we know what Beyonce looks like. It, you're not going to say, and Solange, woo But that's, oh, <laughs> poor Solange. She's going to be best friends now with uh, Shanae. What's her name, Shania? Amanda Bynes. Well, Amanda Bynes. Who's Amanda Bynes' fiance? Uh, Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. LaBeouf, yeah. <laughs> what kind of stupid name is that? Yeah. No wonder he turned out that way. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like one of Gwyneth Paltrow's kids. What are her kids? <laughs> what well, Apple and sardine. <laughs> it's delicious. You don't name a kid sardine. I'm sorry. It has a special meaning. <laughs> to lesbians, perhaps. This, um, this is the kind of love and joy available on every page of Diary of a Mad Diva, Joan Rivers' new book. And... This stuff is written as a diary, but did you go out and write it day by day? or did Almost. You, yeah. I would sit down again. I would get on the phone with Larry Amaros, and he would say, all right, come on. Think, <laughs> what did you do July 4th? And I'd say, well, what did I do? And yeah. then I, I'd go from there. Right. So a lot of it has a little bit of truth in it. But it is, the, the funniest stuff, I think, with you is it goes from highbrow to lowbrow. You're very comfortable in both places yeah well mainly lowbrow <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you're it's not like you're non-political but no, I, the only yeah. thing i really am is non-political because yeah. i think they're both sides are assholes right i think there's <laughs> yeah you know uh, uh, uh hillary clinton now i met her at lake lick pussy and it was like uh, <laughs> <laughs> They're all, they're all, both sides are horrible. Yeah. Horrible. It is true. It's true. I yeah. think I should run. You would run? What do you guys think? Would you? Yeah. 
number one platform, number one thing on my platform would be blind people should not be given apartments with views. (laughs) (laughs) Think about it. I have a friend and she can't see it and she has Central Park and I'm looking at a a brick wall. Take a look at my view. Just lie to her. (laughs) Oh, wow, Amy, that's a great view. (laughs) I mean, it's like... Let me ask you a question. Blind people wear glasses, sunglasses. Yeah. Why don't deaf people wear earmuffs? <laughs> Is there any reason for that at all? <laughs> yeah. Don't you think that would be good? Is Molly that- Matlin? What do you think, Molly? <laughs> <laughs> I never go out with her unless it's a very crowded, loud restaurant. Right. Enjoy! <laughs> She shows up in the book quite a bit. Yeah, Molly's in the book. And I think it's nice that you keep her name out there. You know? I think I, I, she should be thanked. <laughs> yeah. And if somebody, if they read the book to her. <laughs> I like her. I think she's, she's a very nice girl. I've interviewed her. I liked her. You do enjoy and you And you do how many different projects now? Because. Oh, doesn't stop. Yeah. Uh, thank God, Fashion Police, which is number one. Yeah, on- Fashion Police. <laughs> is that... Is that a gift from the gods? Yeah. Uh, that uh, in bed with Joan, which is on the internet, we're doing great. It's, and then we now have a thing called drunk celebrity phone calls. We just put up last week. <laughs> I have a glass of wine, and then I call somebody and give them <laughs> and give them advice. And give them advice. Yeah. So the internet's been good to you. Internet's Twitter, been great. I yeah. love Twitter. I'm getting into vines. I love vines. It's so much fun. I think that's amazing. It's so much fun. I just yeah. love. I love every. It, it's all fun. Every two new technology you're there it's, for. Yeah, I'm there for. Yeah. Writing another book, and I'm doing a thing on Lenny Bruce's mother down at the National Theater in Washington. So. Just keep going, keep going, keep going. Enjoy it. What was it about Sally that you, you played I, it before? I, Sally Moore, I, yeah. I played it on Broadway. Yeah. And uh, I was nominated for a Tony, which was great. So yeah. it was, it, uh, she was Lenny Bruce. She was, I hate to throw these terms because it's so old-fashioned. She was really a woman way, be- she was the one that broke the barriers. She was the one that taught him everything he then came out and talked about. She was an amazing Rough, tough, single mom, did it all, worked to the end, was there at the beginning when he was born mm-hmm. and she had no money, and was there at the end when they gave her his things in a paper bag, you know. And, yeah. And uh, she lived through it all. So she kind of set him up in a kind of Shakespearean way. Yeah, totally. To live that life. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, and outlived him. And, and the comics, I don't know if we were one of them, used to take her out. They held her yeah. up in a way. The yeah. whole group took her and kept her going till she died. Yeah, I remember Sam was Sam Kinnison was always very. I loved him. Yeah. yeah, he. There was another. Go listen to one of his tapes. Right. It's still. That's when you know they're good comics. When you turn on Sam Kinnison, who's dead now, fifteen years. You. Go, this is a, wonderful. Yeah. You know, or you you turn on. Um, who did I watch the other night? I thought, God, he's so good. Uh, w. C. Fields. Right. And you go. Fields. Yeah, the man is dead. Yeah. But it's hilariously funny. Yeah. You know, and then you go, wow. It is. It's stunning that that can happen, that you can still look at, I don't know, Groucho Marx. Groucho Marx. I think Mark. one of the fastest people that ever lived. And he, at the end, when I first moved out to California, it was over. 
and yeah. everyone and he would walk around a, a restaurant called Chasen's mm -hmm. from table to table and tell people jokes and you go here he comes again mm -hmm. oh god here he comes <laughs> with a cigar and the beret <laughs> and uh, but you were gracious to him yeah but sad that at the end yeah you, you gotta know when to get off the scene but you not me not you <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm do I'm doing yeah. vines. <laughs> right, that's why you're doing vines. And I've never seen you where you didn't have just some new ideas written down. Always. She, always you'll write stuff down in napkins or Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, what do you want to know? Yeah. <laughs> Look at this. Is this amazing? Yeah. yeah. Everything is all jokes, 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 jokes. Yeah, on everything. You write them on everything. Yeah. You write them down on whatever whatever you got. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. This is the card. Yeah, I celebrate all holidays. Even though I'm Jewish, I celebrate all holidays. At Easter, I color matzo balls. <laughs> <laughs> now, when a joke like that shows up, does it just show up for you? You're not. Uh, sometimes it yeah. just shows up. Yeah. For, oh, you're talking to a friend, right? And I'm always saying, "Wait, wait, 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 wait. Let me write that down. Let me write that down." Oh, yeah. It was so hot. This may not be funny. Uh, I farted just to get a breeze. <laughs> No. <laughs> Look at this. I got it all over it's here. It's all over the place. Not wanted. Okay, you yeah. you started something now. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying my mother didn't want me, but uh, the doctor delivered me through pantyhose. <laughs> <laughs> so you just, you know. I think that that's amazing. Yes. As long as you've been doing this, you still don't have a proper notebook. It's, no, uh, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> It's, but yeah. you never know when this is going to come. You don't here. know, and you don't, yeah. and you're always going, oh my God, oh my God. They're Delta in some hotel. Yeah. You know, you write them down. Because well, it's, uh, someone told me, uh, Woody writes on matchbook covers. Yeah. You know, but you don't, you know, you don't know when it's going to hit you. You should always have a pencil. Yeah. You know, because right? you say, I'm going to remember that. And then of course you don't remember it. Right. You move on. But you can't do that unless you love it. You can't. Sit there and write that down and go out and try it on. St I, I love that you even just said, I'm not sure if this is funny or not. The audience tells you. You wait until you find out. Yeah. And sometimes they, they don't laugh at what you think is going to be hilarious. And I call that kill your baby. Yeah. You know, I'll do it three times. And if three times they haven't laughed, you go, okay. Yeah. Okay. It was just me that thought this was hilarious about whatever, you know. You gotta let it go. You then. gotta let it go. Yeah. It kills me. Yeah. Oh, I had a stupid joke from nowhere. Uh, North, uh, 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 Kim Kardashian's baby is called Northwest. It's not attractive. You take one look at Northwest and you go Southeast. <laughs> 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 so, but, so I did it in the club and they don't want to hear baby jokes. Right. Ugly baby jokes. Because yeah. they all have them, you know. Yeah. And that's like, <laughs> that hurts a little more. That hurts. <laughs> yeah. I don't you find it fascinating? People that are ugly think their child is beautiful, right? And I you want to say, look in the mirror. <laughs> yeah. Look at you. Look at your husband. <laughs> impossible. It's impossible. It's genetic. It's genetics. Yeah. You know, you, you, you know, how many children at six months have to have their back waxed? Your child is not yeah. pretty. <laughs> <laughs> People think, and don't send me the Christmas cards and ruin my day with that ugly family. <laughs> <laughs>
Don't you hate it? You get a whole bowl of Christmas cards, and there are the schwaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaa